Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. What an interesting show we have planned for you listeners. Thanks for coming by. This week, Dennis and I discuss the loss of another pinball giant. We also deep dive Multimorphic's new P3 game module, Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity, the new Multimorphic system release, multi-confusions with pricing and marketing and release of these products, Zach's offer to early P3 adopters, Dennis getting real, real quick, pinball profile interview with Josh Sharp and Cactus Canyon remake updates, Gary Stern making significant modifications to the production schedule of their next cornerstone title. Jersey Jack Pinball's new title release info. Carl D'Angelo brilliantly trolling myself and Luke Skywalker being a dick. All of that and more on this very modular episode of The Pinball Show. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Hey, guess what, everybody? It's episode 93, and this is the Pinball Show. We are your hosts, Zach Minnie and Dennis Creasel, and we've got a lot to cover today. Wow, Zers, what a week, all right, Dennis. Right, all right, all right. I'm tired. This is my Matthew McConaughey. Impre- I'm working on new impressions because people didn't like my Arnold Schwarzenegger. They didn't like that, did they? No. It was hard to tell. I mean. No, they uh, emailed me and said, I don't like it. So it was pretty easy to tell. <laughs> Maybe try and get to the chopper. That would work. <laughs> yeah, get to the chopper. <laughs> but I, I, like the, I like the dad jokes of uh, Mr. Freeze. Yes, I do what like What killed them. the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. I like that uh, you all listeners out there should be envious because Dennis Creasel, you might, and you may or may not know, he is a, a meme creation master. And uh, we get little tidbits behind the scenes of Dennis's memes. And you're a genius when it comes to meme creation. I give you a lot of credit there. No, I mean, some are, some are better than others, of course, but mm. some of it really just writes itself. Oh, but it's so good. There's a there's a line about you know reality being stranger than fiction. Who wrote that? Gandhi, Walt Whitman, <laughs> Emerson. No, didn't Emerson write something about the hunting of nothing is as challenge or entertaining as the hunting of man? Some real creepy stuff. Oh, that Emerson. I thought it might have been Tolkien's uh, Tom Bombadil. Mm. That. Uh, Tom Bombadil, uh, one of the most powerful characters in the Tolkien universe. <laughs> terribly short changed in the uh feature films oh speaking of i was going to trend it up later on but uh the new video game how about that oh elden ring yeah elden ring i'm still playing yakuza 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 elden ring is that uh exclusive to the ps5 or is that multi-platform what is it i don't know what it's all i actually haven't looked to Mm. buy it that's the go-to right now everybody's talking about but this is a pinball podcast. That's right. Know your place. Yes. If you want to hear about uh, video games, I would suggest going over to the Eclectic Gamers podcast, which should be a doozy next week as well. Yes. But not the prior week, because we didn't talk about Elden Ring then either. So well, don't go back. Only go forward. It's been a long week. I had uh, I had all kinds of interesting things happening this week. Some that my NDAs won't allow me to discuss, 
but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's been a fatiguing week. I have decided <sighs> that the worst investment one could make is in Discord. Feels like it. We we we're a big old happy happy uh, conflicting family over at TPN, and uh, we're very passionate about pinball and the ins and outs of that. I'm telling you, it's it's worth the price of admission. Starting a podcast, just being part of that, I think that's probably my favorite part of TPN is. Uh, the camaraderie and the debates and arguments between all of us. Uh, and we'll discuss some of that, some of that here soon. Big long week. Do you have any big plans this week? Anything going on in your neck of the woods, Dennis? Uh, nothing too much this week, thankfully. And for the listeners, cause they don't know, they don't understand the sausage making. We're recording a day early. Oh, we are. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah. extra uh, behind schedule or ahead of schedule or that, there's well, something involving the schedule that this does. I'm not quite sure. What. Yeah. And yeah, my apologies. It just, it worked better on a, a day before. So, uh, well, I might be a little saltier than usual. Cause I don't normally do microphone stuff on Saturdays. Oh, the salty Saturdays, but, uh, but it's worked out. I don't have a pinball tournament that, you know, you know okay. what you're an expert at pinball yeah. tournaments. I don't have one of those. No, today, no pub so. today. No nubby, no uh, no pizza Z's, and no four oh three Z's. No, no big plans tonight. Not yet, at least. Mm. My wife's got me hanging out with friends, like uh, group friends, couples friends. You don't have any friends, precious. Nobody likes you. <laughs> well, depends on who you ask. See, uh, my Schwarzenegger is getting better. <laughs> Schmiegelnader. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of the chopper, precious. You did. <laughs> Before we get into the correspondence and the news of the week, we did want to take a a second to recognize that this past week we lost another pinball giant. Yes. Way too soon, at the age of 70, passing away from cancer, Barry Osler. Yes, yes. Uh, My understanding is he'd been undergoing treatment for cancer for, I think, quite a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I was not aware of that myself, but since then, you know, understanding that, yes, uh, he, he succumbed to complications related to that. And uh, of course, it's a it's a huge loss. Uh, not only has Barry done so much in terms of design for pinball over his career, he had just recently been picked up by American Pinball to continue. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure he had big things going there. He was unfortunately kind of stuck with the whole Deep Root situation prior to that. But just looking over his catalog of game design, Dennis, he, I mean... He, he created Space Shuttle, arguably, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the game oh, that absolutely. kept it going. That's, yep, it's the it's the game that's credited with keeping Williams Pinball going. And at the time, Williams was the strongest of mm-hmm. a pretty weak lineup. And, you know, as the story goes, he was told that his this next game had to be a hit for Williams to continue to mm-hmm. go ahead and operate in the pinball space. And he did Space Shuttle and, you know, 7,000 units. It was a huge success, and Williams then solidified its dominance of pinball for the next 15 years. Yeah, the industry and the hobbyists within this community have so much that we owe, and thanks to uh, to Barry Ausler. He, I mean, he, he made Pinbot. How iconic and classic is that title? Space Station. Even the fun, quirky stuff that we get late 80s jokers police force bad cats yeah i mean a lot a lot of those have its have their fans there's gorgar the first talking pinball yeah, machine yeah. was his uh, what's your favorite ausler title you know the answer to that i don't want it to be what i'm gonna guess so, <laughs> so it is that say it. one of the Aww. most deepest rule sets in all of 90s pinball it's almost a contradiction to say deep rule set in 90s pinball but it 
it still holds up today as one of the deepest, uh, most complex rule sets is Popeye Saved the Earth, 1994 Bally. That yeah. was greatness. I will say, though, that um, so that would be my favorite. I will say that when it comes to Barry, he was known amongst everyone as just a sweetheart. Again, you don't hear bad things coming about uh, a Barry Ausler. Sadly, when I pass, there'll be plenty of plenty of negative things to say, but not <laughs> well, with not with Barry. I, I and I can't remember if it was one or multiple interviews or pieces. I think it was from Silverball Chronicles, which has a couple of episodes about Barry. Yeah. Uh, on one of them, I think it, it was really emphasized, and that's it's stuck with me since about how you know there are a lot of collaborate. Pinbot's a, a good case in point. A lot of collaborations with Barry Osler and Python Angelo, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was because Barry was one of the few people who could get along with everyone. And so he got stuck having to help Python <laughs> with point. Python's projects because yeah. no one else could stand the guy. Yeah. But Barry could could tolerate even the intolerable. But on Penn's side, it's showing uh, in his penography, Junkyard in 96, going to be in the last game design, a, an underrated game, in my opinion. Uh, it is a, actually pretty fun. Yeah, He brought so much to this industry. One of my favorite things that he brought were... Uh, his his ramp stylings, you you can pick out a, an Ausler ramp, very indicative of like an orbit. You get that wide old feeling, great feeling ramp shots. Um, and just a sweet man. The one thing that I am saddened by, and I'll never forgive myself for, I did reach out to Barry. I think it was last year when he was uh, working over at Deep Root, and I was trying to put a piece together on Popeye Saves the Earth, and I asked him, Hey, is there any interest in kind of joining me and doing a media piece over um, the neglected and the underappreciated Popeye Saves the Earth. And this, it was so sweet, fast response, very humble. And uh, he was he was happy to do it and to work with me doing that. He did make me chuckle because he was like, Zach, of all games that I've done, do we really have to spend time on Popeye? But I said, oh, I'm, I genuinely love this game. and <laughs> no. I, I like how he was so politely telling you, but Zach, it is bad. Yeah, like he was even <laughs> acknowledging that. But but one of my biggest regrets, I, I promise you, listener, one of the biggest regrets I will have in this entire industry and the time I have in it is not finding the time to, to do that, uh, not taking the time to do that. And it's things like that that kind of remind you that Take advantage of the time that you do have with people you appreciate, you respect, you love, because in an instant it could very well be gone. And I can't, I can't take it back that that invaluable time that would have uh, been granted because of his willingness and his passion for this industry. So, Barry Ausler, uh, to you and to your family and friends, uh, just a moment of silence. We will very, very much miss you, and pinball will never be the same. It's time for TPN Industry News. Hi, this is Ken Rudberg with your Jersey Jack update. There's a lot of buzz going on around Jersey Jack Pinball's next title, with questions about what the theme will be, with Toy Story strongly favored, as well as the date for announcement and reveal of this new game. A lot of this is still unknown at this point. But one thing that I do know is that Jersey Jack Pinball will not be revealing this new game at the upcoming Texas Pinball Festival in April. This means we'll have to wait a little bit longer to hear what's next. But it won't be too much longer, as Jersey Jack is finally wrapping up its highly successful run of Guns N' Roses. And speaking of Guns N' Roses, this past week, 
Jersey Jack has released a number of factory second GNR playfields that can't be used in games. These make great wall hangers and are available for $299 on the Jersey Jack site. There's even an option to have game designer Eric Menier sign your playfield if you so choose. For the Pinball Show, this has been Ken Rudberg. Hello and welcome to the Pinball Show's Stern News Update. I'm Craig Bobby. And just when you think all is quiet in the pinball world, courtesy of four-time Twippy winner Canada's Pinball Podcast, rock the pinball world earlier this week with this breaking news. A letter penned by Stern CEO Gary Stern to their distributors telling them that Stern would only be producing two Cornerstone games this year, reducing the number of Cornerstones from their usual three. In addition, one of those Cornerstone games, John Borg's highly acclaimed Rush Pinball, is counting as their first one this year, with the next, rumored to be Brian Eddy's Venom, which has now been delayed from April to August. The letter goes on to say that the move will allow Stern to focus their production efforts over the coming months to deal with the absolutely massive backlog of orders and to get past some of their supply chain issues to focus especially on the production of Godzilla, The Mandalorian, Deadpool, and The Rush Music Pin. Now frankly, everyone that has been following the pinball market knew this was coming as there was no way Stern could continue announcing new titles every three to four months while battling a growing mountain of backorders. And while the thrill of the news of yet another new Stern title was music to any pinball fan's ears, every release also seemed to be fueling a growing buyer frustration of learning from their friendly neighborhood pinball distributor that all but the luckiest of limited edition buyers or pro-location owners wouldn't be getting their precious machines for five to six months at the earliest. Say what? The news meant to try and tamper everyone's expectations and attempt to somewhat cool the scorching hot pinball market has so far had the opposite effect, throwing the pinball world into an absolute buying frenzy yet again as collectors and hobbyists that are eager to get their hands on new machines are now forced to go to another manufacturer whose announcements and deliveries have been few and far between, or turn once again to the used market to fulfill their silver ball addictions. What has this done? Well, you guessed it, trending up this week again, aftermarket pinball prices as buyers know there is now no new quarterstone announcements coming until early August. Do not try and deny a crazed pinball buyer of their ability to buy a new machine. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh no. Holy oh, Spirit, no. Oh, activate. No. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 But hold on, true believers in pinball content creators. All is not yet lost. Just when it's darkest before the pinball dawn comes a glimmer of hope buried deep between the letters of the stern memorandum. What's interesting to note is in reading between the carefully typed words of the crafty veteran Gary Stern is that there is no mention of any vault or studio titles that might be delayed or cancelled. Hmm. So those schedule releases are still very much in play which means that Lord of the Rings vault or the rumored Keith Elwin Back to the Future Super LE are still very much on the table for this year. Say what? or at the very least next year after yet more supply chain delays. 
I know, I know. It's truly an embarrassment of riches these days at Stern Pinball. But know what's not embarrassing? More code updates this week as Star Wars makes its debut on the Stern Insider Connected Network and gets some additional code tweaks as well. The Force is definitely with Dwight Sullivan as the veteran codemaster at Stern Pinball has posted new Star Wars code V1.20. And following in his Jedi Master's footsteps, Padawan designer Jack Danger posted new Jurassic Park Home Pin Edition code V1.03. And not to be outdone, Tim Sexton and Raymond Davidson have been working men posting new Rush Code V.89 for the Pro Premium and Limited Edition models. Well, that's all for this week for the Pinball Show. I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. Hey, this is Kaz with an update on American Pinball. It was sad news to report last week as Barry Ausler passed away at 70 years old. He had been battling cancer. And Jeff Teolis on the Pinball Profile, episode 337, had a great interview with Barry that was recorded only a few days before he passed away. We talked about a lot of his work at Williams and Deep Root and Highway Pinball and how that he was working on Goonies for Deep Root, that he even had an upper play field and a lower play field. He was also working on two titles at American Pinball. The first was a simple retro theme game, and the second was a game with everything. So I hope that these games will be completed to honor Barry. There's also a GoFundMe if you'd like to help out with the family with the medical bills. Just go on GoFundMe and search for the Barry Ausler Memorial Fund. And also, Stephen Bowden joined TurboGrafx-7 on the Buffalo Pinball Twitch stream this past weekend. You can go back and watch that stream to see Stephen put up a huge score on Hot Wheels. So I hope everybody has a great week and has fun playing pinball. For the Pinball Show, this is Brian Cosner. Hey y'all, this is Glenn Wechter, reporting as the temporary Multimorphic Correspondent. As I'm sure most have heard by now, the new release will be Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity. Pre-orders start as of 9am Monday, February 28th, and info can be found through the Multimorphic website. The cost of the base P3 platform will be $8,300. Your cabinet includes your choice of any of the art packages, past or present. The module of Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity is $3,000 for the standard edition and an additional $1,800 if you want to upgrade to one of the 227 limited edition packages. I've spoken with the project's creative director, Steven Silver, to get some facts and nuggets about the game. Starting with Steven himself, he is an animator for Multimorphic and this is his second game as the creative director. Heist was his first. Artwork has all been hand-drawn by Matt Andrews. His work can also be seen on Scott Denisi's Total Nuclear Annihilation. Speaking of Scott Denisi, he's been tasked with the sound package. All the sounds of the game that are not Weird Al songs were designed, performed, recorded, and mixed by Scott Denisi. For example, if you start a new song, Weird Al will pop up on the screen, and it's Scott's music you will hear while Weird Al is explaining the rules. Graphics and animations are done by Rory Sunduda and Steven Silver. TJ Weaver is the mechanical designer and has been the company's lead engineer since the early days. TJ is coming off an award-winning crane mech from Heist and has several ball-interacting mechs in Weird Al's museum. Weird Al superfan Michael Ocean was in charge of the software coding along with Greg Goldie and Jerry Stellenberg. Greg previously did all the heavy lifting coding for Heist and did all of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Jerry programmed the light shows, but I'm told every phase of this game is a collaboration of sorts. All three programs and other members of the team got together to workshop the general rules and structure of the game. Bowen Karens and Colin McAlpine were hired mid-project as rules advisors. Both have made solid contributions to the general framework of the rules. Frank Spears III and Will Beals are also Weird Al superfans. 
and are credited as content advisors. I am told that their knowledge and fandom of Weird Al has helped this game become what it is. Now, on to a few features of the game itself. Weird Al's museum has five flippers, one being a mini flipper on the upper playfield. Now, the P3 does not have a traditional ball launch, but there are seven different launch destinations for the ball to start from. The main toys in this game are all ball interacting mechs. There is a physical ball locking hamster wheel, a three ball physical lock on the swiveling UHF camera, and the right ramp that utilizes diverters and magnets that hold or accelerate the ball to lead to six unique ball paths. There are also two lift ramps and an upper spiral ramp from which the mini flipper on the top playfield feeds the camera. The left ramp is a makeable shot from all four lower flippers. The crossing wire form features a toolless removal for easy play module swaps. The game features over 2,000 original Weird Al callouts. Steven Silver says he had just as much energy and enthusiasm for the project throughout the whole recording session and was the highlight of his professional career to date. There are 17 classic Weird Al songs, 10 of them are modes, or exhibits in the museum. Each song has its own world, created and brought to life by the P3's display under the playfield. Add on two main multi-balls, one mini wizard mode, and a final wizard mode, this game comes out of the box as a complete package. Any updates download straight through the internet connection included with the purchase. For those seeking more on the release, Steven Silver will be on an upcoming episode of the Pinball News and Pinball Magazine podcast with Jonathan and Martin. You could also read the entire deep dive found on This Week in Pinball. One last nugget from Steven. Dare to be stupid multi-ball is the dumbest multi-ball in pinball, and he loves it. Well, till next time, this has been Glenn Wechter reporting for The Pinball Show. Back to you, Dennis and Zach. Always good, Zach, as I often, but not always say, to hear from our correspondents. Yes, very good to hear from fellows over there corresponding for us. And Ken Redberg with a little news there. Nice job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But first, we will go to the topic that led our discussion last week. It's going to follow into this week because we have additional news from the company Multimorphic. We know that this last week, Dennis and listener, that we were able to finally see the reveal, the sizzle ad, uh, all the information about Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity. Are you a big Weird Al fan? I'm not a huge Weird Al fan, but I I would describe myself a, as a fan. You know, something I, I liked more when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I, there still have been times where I've loaded up a video of his on YouTube. The okay. first song I ever really remember uh, was Eat It. How come you're always such a fussy young man? Don't want no Captain Crunch, don't want no Raisin Bran. Well, don't you know that other kids are starving in Japan? So eat it. Yeah, yep, we're listening, we're hearing that now. Yeah, okay. that, that was a good Larry one. Went, went and did that. Now, I have a story uh, that, that I'll share. This got tie into because uh, to watches. So I do apologize, but, but I've never shared it on a Weird on a Al watch. Okay. Yeah, or on my on my watch channel. I've never shared this, but Weird Al is why I own a Rolex. What? Okay. That, yeah, it wasn't I James have Bond to hear this story. Or, or, right, right. No, no. I don't know if you've ever seen Weird Al's movie UHF. It's been so long, I don't know any reference to it. In the movie, uh, spoilers for those who haven't seen the movie from the 80s. Spoiler spoiler alert, let me tell you. All right. There is, uh, it's, you know, there's like this public access station that he's running, trying to save. Mm -hmm. And there is a evil network executive that wants to take it over. And and one of the tiny (laughs) subplots is the evil network exec is... He wants a Rolex. He's okay. like really angry that no one ever gives him a Rolex as a gift or whatever. So 
As the story progresses, though, at some point, there's a there's a homeless man who is given a rare coin. It's not known to be rare at the time, but he's given a rare coin. He's the he's the Deus Ex Machina of the movie. Oh, okay. He sells that coin and he buys enough shares to save the UHF station. Oh. So so saving Weird Al station, the network was going to try and buy it, and then it fell that. apart. The deal didn't happen, and at the end, the network executive evil guy is all sad and just devastated. And the homeless guy comes up because the network execs who gave him the coin, he thought it was just a penny, a regular mm-hmm. penny. And the homeless man's like, "No, it actually was super rare. Thank you so much for doing that. I bought all these shares in this stock. Oh, and I had enough leftover money for this Rolex. As a kid, I don't for whatever reason, it was sort of my." fuck the rich sort of thing mm-hmm. and when i had the opportunity i i bought one and then yeah. when i i go up to the legislature or whatever and i see all these people in thousand dollar suits and i'm sitting there and i don't belong but sometimes the little guy wins too so it's weird but it, this is, is how it cool, with me it's a so very yeah, nice it's always story why I, I, that was why i was like you know what it shouldn't be for rich executives yeah so weird al will always have a special place in your heart yeah. i like that weird al we know that is a fantastic performer fantastic talent this game was released what tuesday did they show us stuff on tuesday i think you know i don't remember the exact day uh because they were you know they're doing the drip three feed um hype thing yeah yeah did you listen to that podcast the flipping and mashing i know no, we referenced i, I only read a time. summary of it okay I read a summary so we do know we have some details about this release we know that this this is a module so this is a module that is weird owls museum of natural hilarity that goes into the p3 system by Multimorphic, the company. So you incorporated. Incorporated. Trademark. Multimorphic <laughs> Incorporated's P3 platform, Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity module. Yep. So for any of you guys out there that are confused about, was well, it the P3, the company, or the Multimorphic, the company, the Preach 3 system? What about P Rock? Is there a P3 Rock? There is a P3 Rock. It's. <laughs> Shouldn't be confusing. It's right there on the website. I learned all about it, and we'll see if I can mess this whole thing up. We know that this game module was designed by Steven Silver, art by Matt Andrews. Mm, it's good to see TNA Matt Andrews. Artist. Yeah, Matt Andrews is freaking fantastic. And I knew when I seen that art, like the little teasers before we saw the full trailer, I was like, okay, the art package is going to be good. I like those renderings. Uh, we've got software by Michael Ocean, Greg Goldie, and Jerry Stellenberg. Uh, Jerry Stellenberg is the owner of the company. Graphics by Rory Cernuda and Steven Silver. Engineering by TJ Weaver. Sound by Scott Denisi, the Scott Denisi. Rules by the Colin McAlpine and the Bowen Karens. Mm. That's a pretty star-studded lineup there. That's right. They're going all in. So we got Colin McAlpine and Bowen Karens at the helm on rules. One can only assume maybe this is going to be attorney darling. Might see more P3 uh, in tournaments in the future possibly yeah i did ask a tournament player about that once we knew about this uh about like alice cooper's nightmare castle mm-hmm. uh because bowen really worked on the rules on that game but i've never really seen it a lot in tournaments and i was told yeah it was it was good but not it wasn't a darling well neither have i seen really rick and morty to be fair yeah i don't see yeah, that. i still haven't played that I'm embarrassed almost to say that, but it's just not been anywhere I've been at. I, uh, I don't want to assume. I hope it's a TPF. I don't want to assume your preferences, but I know you well enough. I don't think that'll be a game you enjoy. Well, but I like TNA, and Scott Denisi did the layout for that. Yeah, but it's apples and oranges, really. I do hate oranges. That's fair. I love Rick and Morty. I think it's a it's an underrated, underappreciated game, but 
Only time will prove that. Where would you tier uh, Rick and Morty's theme, and where would you tier Weird Al? As oh, a you're going to get me in trouble again, okay? Well, I'll, Rick you, and Morty, would you like me to go first? No, Rick and Morty is a theme I put at an A-. minus. Oh, we do minuses and pluses. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, that's the... I don't. This I is do the like way. raw letter grades. This is the way. A-, minus. it's not as dynamite as a big blockbuster, but then again, it's got enough quirk and fit into, into pinball and enough relevance today in 2022 that it ever had so a minus whereas weird al i still i've said it and i'll stand by it cc minus people know who weird al is i just don't think he's as hot as he was back in the you know early 90s i don't see it as being a huge huge license similar to like elvira i see elvira kind mm. well, of house of war i actually agree I, uh, well not with your rick and morty i put rick and morty as a b tier and i'd put okay. I put I would put Weird Al as a C, but that but that's good. Basically, for me, the way I do theming is I tier it A B C D F, and anything that's original, truly original, isn't even in that grading because it. I'm talking about things that people would know. Makes sense. So for me, A's are they have to be like total cultural touchstones that are, remain relevant today. Sure. So things like Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. Star Wars. So Mandalorian's an A theme, not because the show is hot, but that it's Star Wars and the show sure. is hot. Sure. You, okay. Then B themes are things that still have really, really broad fan bases or are really, really relevant currently, but they might not have legs to carry on. So Walking Dead would be a B theme. Stranger Things. Stranger Things would be a B theme. Then a C tier is, to me, it's really well known, but not broad based. Like people don't collect lots of that stuff, but there's a cult following. Mm Mm-hmm. So back with B tier, you might end up with things that where there are a lot of people that like to collect the memorabilia or, or into like WWE, for example, sure. whereas with a C tier, it would be more along the lines of it's really well known. And then there's a cult following that's really into it. Hot Wheels could be considered. The Princess Bride. Right, right. Princess Bride, possibly. Oh, yeah. uh, I think it's more of a cultural touchstone, but not A tier cultural touchstone necessarily. That might be okay. more B tier. Okay. Obviously, there's a fluidity where you have room to interpret. And so Weird Al's got some really hardcore fans that will probably go to lots of his shows and stuff. He's really well known regardless. Iron Maiden. So it's good. Yeah, yeah. Iron Maiden would be C-tier. a C tier. D tier is like, in my view, it's you don't even. It's got a cult following, but you don't even know if there's broad, really, not you know, mm-hmm. acknowledgement beyond maybe a name. Big Trouble in Little China is a D tier. Mm. Rob Zombie. Uh, Rob Zombie, mm-hmm. I would probably say is C, but but yeah. potentially, just really stuff where it's people might be aware of it, but there's only a really like Rocky Horror might be D tier. It's oh. really well known. <laughs> it might be again. There's fluidity. I would probably say see. it's a C because I think it's got cultural touchstone relevance, but it's cult it following aspect is B, what I'm, I'm emphasizing. I like this classification system. And then F tier is the theme might actually hurt your sales. Oh, okay. A, a ridiculous example would be Hitler, the pen. <laughs> you want a real life one? Oktoberfest. <laughs> And the reason is, while you may have people that are really into Oktoberfest and want to buy that game, there are others that have a perception of Oktoberfest as a celebration of alcoholism, and for that reason would not not allow it. You just put Oktoberfest with the same category as Hitler. I hope you realize that, but okay. All right. Well, I said that one was a really extreme example. I don't think anyone's going to be making Hitler the pin anytime soon, unless Mel Brooks sticks it into the background scene of a movie he's working on. But anyway, so that's that's my, that's sort of how I do it. So people understand. So really, A, B, and C themes are very, very good ideas. And I think the reason I was let down a little bit, Dennis, was because with what we were hearing from the people who've seen and the people in the know and the people with the NDAs, 
They were pitching this thing as an A tier, but if it's not your, you know, jam of jelly, then maybe a B level, but certainly not a C. <laughs> Oh God. I've already had people reaching out to me regarding the Eclectic Gamers podcast episode I did last because I, in Rumor Corner, I said I was, and it was because of all of this, I had heard Beetlejuice. Yeah, you got all of our hopes and, up. And people analyzing, like, there was the star from the Walk of Fame, and it was like, you know, a number of those top tier cast members who were in Beetlejuice all have a star. Like, it was a good, lo- like, yeah, the logic they, was solid. It was logic a hell of a lot. Yeah, the, the clues made no sense. Can we all establish that? As I think about it, I don't think Beetlejuice is a good theme for P3 because I think they would really struggle on the production side to meet the demand that would bring. At this point, I love Beetlejuice so much. I hope you're right. <laughs> Weird Al? I mean, I this is going to be this is going to be huge for them. This is Absolutely. They are going to sell I'm 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 saying it now, you know, no, this is not a hard take though cuz I know you agree with me. They're going to sell more P3s with this weird owl module than everything else they've sold to date. Yeah, combined. Yep, yep. Yeah. Completely agree. We do know that features-wise, they came out with a standard and they are having an, a limited edition limited to 227 units. The limited edition does have an interactive topper, assigned translite, a unique playfield plastics, an alternate apron decal, and you get some different cabinet artwork uh, packages as well. Uh, so that's the limited edition model, 227 units. Then you have your standard model as well. You identify which one you want uh, through the sales that are coming up. We'll talk about. So two editions. This is, this is new for Multimorphic. Yes. Did you like the topper? Now, when it comes to the topper, it does look really nice. I like that it moves. Any topper that moves is always yes. a plus to yeah, me. Yeah, that's what caught my eyes. Hey, it moves. Yeah, like and it. it looks like Matt Andrews' artwork, so that's always a plus when you can get the original artist as part of that. I really love it. Now, I do hear some people just proclaiming this is the greatest to- um, Slow down. Slow down. No, I, it is. There ain't no Black Knight topper. Let's yeah, not get it, silly it's here. It's spooky-like. It's just 2D plastics moving with a servo motor. Let's let's not get crazy. Visually, I like it better than what I've seen out of Spooky. Price-wise, it's going to cost you 1200 plus bucks, where Spookies are free. That would that be one, the argument. I mean, that's a fair point, as Joel, would, Joel Ingerbroth would like mm-hmm, to say. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair, Zach. That's I fair. Think, but I think they did a really good job on that topper, and I don't... I don't see putting much time, given this theme, I don't see putting much more time into a, into a topper. This is like the first multimorphic topper. So I think it's yeah, cool. I think it's so. awesome. Uh, 17 full length weird owl tracks. That's a lot of tracks. It is a lot of tracks. Do we get everything that we're supposed to get in those tracks or the, the big hits? I think you get some, well, big no. ones. you no. get some couple you big did. ones. All right. So because you, you might recall at one point, I made a comment about sales and Iron Maiden and Rush, mm-hmm. and we had a listener write in uh, critiquing my lack of research on this. So I have I done my research. Uh, I have listened to you. <laughs> I've done the research. I've done the research. So the answer... All right. Exercise so, the research. In terms of, for a Weird Al fan, mm-hmm. this is probably great. Okay, good. He's got so many songs, though. There's always going to be stuff that's missing. How many so albums I think any have? Weird Al yeah. fan's going to be disappointed that on something that wasn't in there. I don't know how many total. I didn't keep. I didn't count. Like true Rush fans. Where's right, 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 right. So there's some what I would call a lot of these are what I would call deeper cuts. And the reason I will do that is here is my metric. This is what I did. So I went and pulled the numbers that they had listed under his discography on Wikipedia, sourcing the Billboard Hot 100. Okay, good. 
He has had 11 songs that have charted in the top 100. Okay. I'll, I'll go through them real, real okay. quick too. There, there was Ricky, Don't know. which is not in this. It was, it, it topped out at 63. Mm-hmm. Eat It, yeah. which I mentioned was the first song I knew. That topped out at 12. It's his second highest topping song. That's a big one. And it also was an RIAA gold uh, single. Oh, wow. Uh, King of Suede at 62. Don't and Edith's not in here. King of Suede's not in here. I Lost on Jeopardy, 81. It's not in here. Ooh. Like a Surgeon is in here. And mm-hmm. that one was at 47th. Okay. So that's a top, that's a chart topper. Fat at 99. That was a big it's one. Not I remember that one. Smells Like Nirvana at Ooh, 35. That's, that's not in here. Amish Paradise at 53. That is in here. Okay. White and Nerdy at nine. It's his best rated song ever. And it is in here. And that one was platinum with RIAA. Yeah, hip hop song. So yeah. they did put in his number one song. Canadian Idiot at 82nd. It's not in here. Hmm. And then while this wasn't released as an official single, Word Crimes was 39th on the Billboard Hot 100. And it is in here. I did like Word Crimes. So a lot of it's not in there. Right. So in addition, I went and pulled, he had five more songs on Billboard's Bubbling Under Hot 100. Another One Rides the Bus, I Love Rocky Road, Headline News, Gump, and Whatever You Like. And none of those five, those are all like 102 to 106 if you add. The the bubbling is like an extension to the top 100. But none of those are in here. So my point is that they took 17 songs, but only four of these charted in the U.S., so wow. based off of okay. that analytic, I will say no. If you're trying to appeal to a general Weird Al fan, you are missing a lot of the stuff that the general public would know. Man, you proved it. That is true. I'm I'm going to take back a little bit. I thought there was a lot of stuff, but I'm, again, I don't know a lot now, of Now, to a fan, to like a hardcore Weird Al fan, they probably know all of these. But if the goal was to appeal as broadly as possible to people who know of Weird Al, you are missing what most of them would have ever encountered. We just don't know if it was just cost prohibitive or... Well, that's the thing. This isn't a vacuum. So I've already heard, I think I I read part of an article that someone had linked on, I believe, Pinside, noting that Weird Al hasn't been performing any of his Michael Jackson parodies for a while now. So those may have been off the table, just period, even though they are very popular. And then, and then pricing, of course, in terms of how much are you going to pay to get the song package put together. Yeah. Um, and I think they made some really smart strategic decisions. Uh, getting in White and Nerdy was huge because it is the most known song that he has. Mm-hmm. And they do have another three chart-topping songs. Yeah. So, okay. So, so it's I mean, fair. I, they try. My point is they tried. Yeah. But if you're, if you're to look at it objectively as I am, no, they did not. They did not get remotely the popular songs. What will overall. what will frustrate me is if they come back and say, "No, it's not that they were cost prohibitive. It's just that those particular songs just didn't really fit to what we were doing for the pinball machine." I hate that damn argument. Why would like, they come back and say why they chose the songs at all? Well, they won't. I'm just saying, you know, if they get some grief for it, I mean, the songs are the songs. It's. It is. It is what it is. Because this is the reason I bring that up is because you can't really say that because this is kind of a chaotic mess of an amygdalation of all of his different creations and songs and and video. Everything is kind of just it's like a kitchen sink in there. This game is packed. The back one third, uh, the module yeah, it's really, really packed. If we're talking about layout, we know that this is I was going to say a four flipper game, but it's dependent it's kind of confusing. It's either a two flipper game, a three flipper game, or a four flipper game. 
It says. I thought it was a five flipper game. Shit, sorry. It is a five flipper game because that upper flipper. It is a five flipper game. But if you have the older model, I think you can buy this. And if you don't upgrade the additional uh, flippers that you have to buy a la carte, then it's only a three flipper game. So does it, it work as a? Th- does I don't I think understand. it does. I didn't no. understand that. I, this is the first time I'm hearing that as no. a. Okay. See, that's where I get confused because I don't I know what you comes had in the to buy. I thought you had to have it as a five flipper to work, and then if you have the parts that make it a five flipper, like the the right flipper from Heist, mm-hmm. and then there's the fourth before the module flipper that you can leave those in and they just won't work on the other games. Like you don't have to swap them back out. They'll just because they're tucked away to the side. They don't hurt the geometry. Is the idea, but that you have to have them. You have to have all five for the game to work. See, I don't think so. I think, and I could be How wrong. How do you play it? What's the point of flippers that I, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me, Zach. It wouldn't make, there's no point in having a five flipper game that can also be a three flipper game. It's like, are there not shots that those flippers have to be there for to hit? There, why would you have them? There are a lot of very educated, whether they're consultants or fans of the multimorphic games, shit. The P3 games, I think they did say it comes with top left flipper for this module. So you will get... The upper, upper flipper, the middle left, upper flipper, the bottom two flippers. But I don't know if that upper right flipper comes. And I don't know if there's any geometry that makes it where you have to have the upper right flipper. Again, it's not clear on the website. So my apologies here. Maybe we'll okay, get some well, clarification. Now I this. wish I had done more research on flippers and I, less it's on my songs. Fault. That was but, my, uh, that was sorry, my thing. I, I don't know the answer. I think it's a five flipper game. But it's meant to, that's what I'm looking at pinball news right now. And it's, it's being promoted there as a five flipper game. So that's okay. the way Maybe I've been come addressing it. it mentally. And if we're, let's jump into other layout stuff. Um, okay. We have a very packed back forth. I'm looking at the pictures now I'm referencing pinball news. They had a big deep dive on okay. this. That's what I have loaded. So we have wire forms and metal everywhere, which we all love seeing as pinball enthusiasts. We have an upper play field, which mixed amongst the enthusiast crowd, everybody thinks they want an upper play field or an additional place to play, whether it's lower or upper, but oftentimes they just pan out to be just kind of gimmicky and novelty like this one looks pretty fun, though. The upper play field on this, uh, you have the butt pretzel shot. Uh, you better think spooky for that one because that, that's what that is. And you have a, uh, a spinning hamster wheel that the balls lock into, mm-hmm. physical ball locks, us enthusiasts generally love. I think that's a cool little gimmick, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I like the, the hamster a lot. It yeah. looks real fun. I, would I always ma- have liked uh, Multimorphics toys for their P3 I was modules. waiting for you to say, I always have liked hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had so many. I've never had a pet hamster. Really? Nope. I've had a gerbil when I was little. Hmm. Yeah, gerbil. Are you more of a hamster guy, a gerbil guy, a guinea pig? No, I, um, I'm not really into rodents. I could see you being a guinea pig owner. And like walking it on a leash and stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just put it in its wheel. Hey, I wonder if that, it could actually work this wheel. Like if yours is like, I don't want to buy a <laughs> guinea pig cage. Can I just put them in the module? Uh, now, some of this layout wise, I get confused on because I don't know where where things are going. Like when the ball does go into the, the loop, uh, the wheel, like where does it exit? How does it exit? I don't know. I don't know that. But I did see on the sizzle, the ball in that hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh with sizzles I found it's often kind of hard to know exactly where where yeah. uh, st- staging or or things involving subways and scoops can be a little confusing if, and so until we see a gameplay, it's hard for me to know exactly Very where true. everything is going to 
you know, well, the whole, in terms of the whole flow overall, mm-hmm. it's sort of difficult for And me, we know but. that uh, the P3 system oftentimes has these little loops, I've noticed design-wise, so they have some of those here. We've got little loops here and there. We've got, I think, two places for physical balls uh, being locked, if I'm correct. Uh, they've got main ramps, one, two, three, but then some of these ramps have motorized servos that make the ramp go up for a shot underneath. Yeah, the sizzle, it's tough to know we need to see a gameplay, but there looks like a lot of shots here. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I, I was trying to count them earlier. Uh, and they, yeah, there are a lot of shots. Your word packed is is a good one. I like the camera too. I think that's cool. Yeah, from the kind of a nod to the UHF. UHS and by kind of, you mean and... a nod to you. <laughs> it is well, I didn't a know if it was a nod UHF. to the song or to the film kind of thing. It's a nod to all of it. A nod to all of it. Okay. Uh, we do have a cross play field wire form. That's the first for for the P3. Yeah, it extends down into the uh, into the screen area, the non module mm-hmm. area. So you at least get some some difference of just screen back third. That's what some of the earlier P3 games felt like, and that's why people say, "Well, I don't know if it's really pinball because you got most of the play field just being a like a virtual play field, like a screen, and then you get the back third that is mechanical. So they're still limited to that." Uh, but we do have wire forms that do come down to the flippers. We also have, this is new, so we'll talk about this without trying to confuse people. The the banks that Multimorphic is known for in their P3 system. See, now I'm like over-analyzing how I say that. Uh, the scoops that do come up, that is one of the cool, most innovative features in all of pinball. I've said that, and I'll continue to say that. But now they're motorized, Dennis, for this new 2.0 system release. Hmm. Oh, so there's a system release along with the module. Yeah, that's why I don't want to confuse people. So they're coming out simultaneously with a new game module okay. plus a okay, new so that, system. That's the thing. It's the new 2.0 thing is what people referenced about how you don't, that it auto levels them now. Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. So they're not coil based. So you're not going to. They're gonna, servo based. Servo based. Which, okay. eh, wor- eh, it kind of worries me because servos why? can be a pain in the ass. They really can be. Ask spooky. It auto levels. Don't isn't Servos it worth it? Servos can be a pain in the ass. I don't like leveling stuff. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. But they have new. It looks like LED. It just looks a little bit different there. We know that the new 2.0 system has a different head too. This isn't weird out per se, but the new 2.0 system has a different different head, and you can get a speaker panel that is illuminated. It looks good. Looks sharp. The big old display back there. But back to the game here. Back to the game. No. Okay. Okay. Which art package did you like more? LE or you know uh, I liked standard. them both honestly I like Colonial. Oh, yeah, they're both good yeah I, uh, okay I, I was just kind of curious I, w- I would think that I kind of like the the regular standard that was what I was thinking I really yeah. like orange normally but I just like what the what was done with Weird Al for whatever reason yeah with and the, the museum and the exploding mm-hmm. colors on the side cab I think that's really what it I is. thought that I was like really that. great too now the LE is still nice with the oranges and stuff the only thing that I've always said when it comes to this art packages is cause like the magnet on the side cabinet. That's fine. That's cool. Um, I would like it to illuminate. And I think they have done that. It just, again, I don't have the details. I can't find the details anywhere, but the front, the front of that damn cabinet is what always is going to make people think is a virtual pinball machine. It's just oh, black. Just the, the flat black. Yes. That is what my virtual pin I made. Exactly. Uh, actually, no, I put art in front of mine. God, can we not get some artwork right there? They still are going to no trim, no trim powder coating with each particular uh, package or module that you buy. So 
the LE trim wise is going to feel very much like I'm talking about the trim work lockdown bar, rails, legs, hinges, etc. They're still going to feel very similar because they're just a black, like a gloss black. I'd love to see some color on those. I'm trying to think what else we need to know about this layout. Oh, they kept heralding this, you know, the podcasters and different people in, in media saying they have the first ofs, like the greatest shot in pinball of all time, history, era, ever. I don't know which one they're referring to. I was told, well, I believe that came up on the Flippin' and Mashin' podcast. And as I noted, I didn't, I did not listen to the okay. podcast. I was told by someone else, though, who was familiar with it, that the shot that they meant is that spiral staircase okay. shot. The spiral the where it goes between the up hamster the, wheel and the camera. And that is a first, I think, where it goes up a spiral rather right, than that, that's down. an incline. Mm-hmm. I wonder how uh, easy that is. So if that's what they're but, referring to. I mean, I wonder to. if it rejects a lot. Um, yeah. I don't know, but the, you're it gonna is curious. It is. It does look cool. You're going to need that upper flipper for that one. That's for sure. That and angle. then they got the, uh, the, what the, the ramp, the dual direction ramp that oh, lifts. I love that. I knew you would like that. He liked, like I was like, he's going to like that more than me. To me, it reminds me of the play field with Batman, the dark Knight. Oh, okay. I can see that. Uh, to me, it reminds me of the, the ghostbusters pro where you go up oh, and it's like, okay. eh, not enough. And you got to keep going. You go back down every time. But I like that. Cause I think. It's just unique, and it's really smart to use that space for that because it's it's visually very it's stunning. A, it's a it's a good it's a good yeah no it does look visually cool. I was just, I was more interested in some of the other stuff on the module than that for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Yeah, see for me like the 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 camera lock is kind of you know, not really a moment there because it kind of just triples out. I just like the camera because it's just like it, it's a really nice looking toy. Really. To me, it is. Mm. It, well, it's kind of like, you know, even with a hamster wheel, like they put a little coating over the coil so it doesn't look just like a silly coil from Wicko sitting there. Yeah, but that's the one thing about the the servo motor. Like it, you see the ass end of it, so it exposes all the wires and mm. stuff. But I guess that yeah, goes to the gearing. But, but that's part of, of the, yeah, I think they're going with the science, like mm-hmm. science and, engin- you know, that they're, that's, they're embracing it, which I think sure. is smart with that. I, what I will say, though, is compared to the other modules, like I'm thinking specifically Cosmic Kart Racing and Heist, none of these w- toys wow me like those toys, did, like from an engineering perspective. Great point, yeah. I am more impressed by those modules. They don't have Visually, a big old mech that you're like, Visually, Holy crap. this module looks better than those to me, though. Yes. I agree with that. I don't know what the one shot is where it looks like it's just a scoop with a uh, drop target in front of it. Feels like a, a throwaway mm. shot there. You're yeah. just hitting. I don't like clear drops like that. Um, Do you not? No, uh, I get it because they show off the RGB underneath. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that's the purpose, the sort of translucent, uh, clear uh, targets. But I always think that they look uh, weird without having a sticker. Oh, I see. And we've been told by those who've played that this thing shoots phenomenally. It shoots better than everything else on the market. It's it's God's creation of a of a layout. Of course, I'm exaggerating here. But that's what we've been told. Well, I won't. I won't know. I won't know until I play. I, exactly. I will say, as just as a general rule, I to date have not played a five flipper game. I thought was a great shooter. Okay, but exceptions can prove the rule. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is a standard body uh, that goes without saying. It does not look forms. to me like it shoots bad. I'm wondering how tight these shots are though, because there's so many in the back. Yeah. Like, is this going to be a, a shooter's? Like, you have to be really. I, I don't know yet. Typically, those quick turnaround ramps, I'm always not crazy about. It just feels kind of eh. Like that left ramp, I just kind of like a Steve Ritchie, but mm. up in your face kind of thing. Yeah, it'd be okay. 
This looks like fun. So all of you guys that are going to Texas Pinball Festival will have a chance to play. I've been told that there's going to be several there. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, we talked about mechs and toys, but I'm with you. No big central, holy shit, do you see that crane and what it can do? Yeah, none of that going on. Just their distinction is license and just packing this thing down. And the the thing is, as cool and as impressive as engineering, and don't, I mean, remember, in the first year of the Pinball Industry Awards, Heist won because Mm -hmm. of that crane for best toy. But license is so much more powerful than quality engineering. I think that's what this will... I'm not saying that this isn't quality, by the way, if people don't write in and complain. What I'm saying is like staging ball, magnetic ball locks of cosmic kart racing and that fully mobile crane. Those were just incredible, to me at least, incredible feats of pinball engineering. I don't see the same thing here, but I see Weird Al and Weird Al is going to move you way more units Mm -hmm. than all the effort to come up with an ultra clever toy. I completely agree. Even Lexi Lightspeed with that 10 ball physical lock carousel, that thing was just you know, visually pretty stunning as well. Uh, artwork. We talked about Matt Andrews. I hope he continues on games in the future. I'm really a big fan of his. We just don't get to see his stuff enough music and sound. We didn't get to hear much of this. We know that Scott Denise was responsible for the sound package music, of course, by weird Al, Uh, but they did get tons of call outs from weird Al himself. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah. What did you think about? Cause there were some mixed reactions on the sizzle when you heard some of his call outs. What, what was your impression? I thought it was fine. I liked them. Yeah. I, I like the, because people are like, okay, I'm enough with the woohoos. I like the woohoos. Yeah. I, I need to hear it in actual game. Again, because it's a sizzle. I don't like to judge how call outs are working. Yeah, because they're just placed for a fact. Like, for example, I remember early sizzle stuff. Um, well, actually, no, I don't remember early sizzle stuff. But I remember when Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, when I first started seeing the gameplay, and the tinkling glass every time the sling hits were happening. And I was like, that is and the roller nails coaster on a chalkboard. And that was a, a problem for me. And I didn't mind the screams, but the, the glass. Tinkle, 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 tinkle. Oh, my gosh. No tinkling. I do love when I watch the sizzle reel. It really did pull me in initially whenever you hear Weird Al's voice and you get the logo here. And then he gives that screechy, I hope you enjoy it. I freaking mm. love that. I love I hope we get a lot of that in this game. Welcome to Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity. I hope you enjoy it! What'd you think of the animations? Eh. That's about all. Like, okay, eh. Whenever I heard the, like, again, referring back to Flippin' and Mash, and they were like, this is the perfect theme. I'm not, I'm trying not to beat up on these guys, but it's just all the information I have. Uh, they were like, this is the perfect theme for this platform, for this type of game. I, I'm sorry, I don't get that. What, what makes Weird Al really fit multimorphic? The only thing I can think of is Weird Al is kind of goofy and multimorphic in this industry is kind of known as just being kind of goofy. Like that's the only, they're not making use of a lot of the animation in a dynamic way that I see in pictures or sizzle reel. Maybe I'm completely off. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I That I don't get at all. What am I missing, Dennis? Uh, I don't know. I need to see the actual gameplay to get a better feel. I Yeah, the, the animations were not a standout to me. I My initial reaction is I like heists better, but I, want to, I need to see more than a sizzle. It's just clipping around too much to get a good feel. Yeah, like the heist, at least you're going through the city and stuff. That kind of makes sense because you got the crane overhead. Like it's all integrated into a, a world under glass. My thing with, with screens, this is the... 
you know, you have an advantage and you have a disadvantage. And the, the advantage, of course, is all of the technological stuff that P3 is able to do because, you know, they have all that ball detection. And so they're able mm-hmm. to use the screen as a dynamic play field to change and clearly explain what you're doing. And that's like a highlight there. Like they have the wheel of fish moment, I think, is one of the shots in the pinball news where you can kind of see it's like, yeah, they're throwing that in someone's face. You don't have to stick it like on a little cell phone size screen sure. on a JJP or on the back box like a stern. Uh, and so that's an advantage. But the disadvantage is if you're not doing something static and just having like an artist come in and work around inserts and put in an art package, if you're making stuff move around, how good is it going to work? Animation's harder than doing one beautiful still. Absolutely. And that's where yeah. that's where it's, I think, is a, because the cost it would take to animate to like AAA video game level or whatever you're after. There's no way. Yeah, it's just, it would cost way too much. And that's the issue I've always kind of had and voiced when it comes to Multimorphics P3, is that you're never going to be able to integrate the animation well enough to keep up with that being the dynamic part. Now, Stern is Stern has probably more resources than anybody when it comes to animation. And we've even heard George Gomez say, listener, you know, <laughs> that holds a lot of stuff up because of this LCD screen instead of a DMD dot display. So that's what I've always kind of been critical about when it comes to the P3 system because it's like, uh, don't even don't even try to compete. Find a different novel way of doing it. Uh, I'm an, I'm a broken record when it comes to that. So the the animations look nice, nothing crazy dynamic. That may change if we play it. I do like how there's categories of the modes. Let me give them credit there. I haven't looked into all of the modes and the way they're formatted yet, but. I do like that it's not just your, here's six modes. It's like, well, here's a couple songs that fit into this type of category, like a sports category that, that Weird Al had a song about. So you go, you go to different categories of these modes. I think that, uh, that's going to be pretty dynamic with reference to uh, the rules and the code. So that's cool. Yeah, like that. yeah. The, the tying it together in this museum concept, I think, was was pretty clever. Yeah, thank you. You said it a lot better than I did. Well, let's talk about the pricing. How much does this thing cost? Well... Uh, you go to the website and it says $8,300. It's got a picture of the uh, Weird Al LE machine. All That's pretty. when you go and you click the, the buy now button. I'm doing, I'm doing it right now to be sure, you know, everything's current. Cause I know first time I went, they weren't really announcing yet mm-hmm. you know, right after the first sizzle came and then they put in more information later. So I, so I go in I, and you I've can follow to, us, everybody. This is multimorphic.com. Yeah, so, Yes. So I'm there and I see one machine, mini games, endless fun. And you see this sort of backdrop of Weird Al and you see a learn more button kind of shaded out and a buy now button, which is much shaded in orange. And I'm clicking buy now. Gotcha. And okay. Yes, I see. I, I, all right. Now I'm at where you're, yep. what you're talking about. So it about. says P3 machine, $8,300. You got Weird Al, LA, Topper and all. Uh, but then it says base P3 only. Click here to browse the game kit. So it's not 83. You get to click here. Well, it says price has shown 13.1. That's so new. That is new. So they did correct that. Before that wasn't that wasn't there. And I was like, wait a minute. You have, let's see, click here for ordering instructions. We voiced it last time on the podcast. We as in I, myself, and Lane Bryant. That I, I didn't understand the concept of announcing a game and there not be any way to order it or pre-order it or anything like that. Since that last podcast a week ago and the announcement of this game, there's still not a way to order it. There are instructions on how to order it. You can begin accepting orders at 9 a.m. Central Time on Monday the 28th, 2022. Here's where it gets a little weird for me, Dennis. Tell me if I'm crazy. It says, in the interest of fairness, order requests received prior to the 28th uh, are going to be ignored. It then says below, 
Email sales at multimorphic.com and identify which of the following you'd like to order. Up to one of each per order, unless otherwise discussed with the multimorphic representative. That's all. But you pick either a P3 machine or the Weird Al game kit or the limited edition package. All your requested orders prior to are going to be ignored, but you can email sales at multimorphic.com and identify which one you'd like. I'm confused. Am I not seeing something clearly? I don't know what to do as a consumer here. Well, I mean, my guess, my guess is that those notations are ultimately that are in bold. The we are be, we will begin accepting the orders at the, mm-hmm. on the 28th and in the whole interest of fairness that that's going to ultimately be removed because then the rest of it is just what the normal ordering process would be. Okay. You're going to email them and you're going to say what you want to order. And then there's these listings. So I guess it's confusing now, and I think it will be less confusing when it goes live on the okay. 28th. However, what's confusing to me is on this page, it doesn't show the pricing of any of those. No, we know that the if you look uh, and ask questions and d- dive deeper, we know that $3,000 is the cost for that Weird Al module. Right. We also know that the LE module and the package that goes with the LE, that's an additional $1,800. So if you add up $8,300, $3,000, $1,800, that's what gets you to that price of $13,100, which I think is the most expensive, you know, LE model of a game in the industry, is it not? I do not price LEs because I never am in the market for okay. them, Zach. You know that. I mean, Stern LEs come in at 11100 JJP LEs come in at uh, 11000 Hell, the CEs. I think the last CEs were twelve five, and then CGC they were ninety five hundred ninety two fifty underpriced a bit, and then we have uh, Spookies those are sub ten thousand dollars for their their biggest edition. So this is the most expensive, and that is similar to what they've been doing since you know since the they first started the company. They always had kind of the the most expensive game, which is a hard right. sell. At I used to always when I would cover it, always be ten thousand. We'd always say ten thousand, and that would be with a game kit. Yeah. I didn't know people bought base systems without game kits, though. So. Yeah, who in the hell would buy a system without a game kit? Maybe someone who somehow found game kits and was just like, I got my cartridges, I need my player, I guess. So we know those are the prices of that. But I don't, we, I still don't know, I'm sorry, if they come with the upper, I think they come with an upper left if you buy the Weird Al module, but I don't know if the upper right comes with it. If it doesn't, it's $150 for the additional flipper. But if you have the older system, if you already, if you guys already have a system, then you can still upgrade like the head. You can upgrade the speaker package, the lit. You can upgrade the... The flipper mechs. The flipper mechs. You can upgrade all of that. But the pricing is not available yet for the upgrading 2.0 or like the bank. They said, don't worry if you like the motorized new bank of scoops. The old owners can upgrade that. But they don't have that pricing anywhere. They don't have a timetable for that. When it comes to the upgrading the head, you can upgrade it, but they don't have a timetable. They don't have any pricing for that. If the early, early adopters, to get it looking like this, like I say on the website, you need to spend another $900 for the LCD screen. If you have the old ones, you still need to upgrade. the. You don't need to. You can upgrade the, the flipper upgrade kit to make it feel better for $40. All the 2.0 systems is going to have this. I'm reading through this. I'm a little confused. And you're not the only one that has been. Um, and so, again, doing my research... Because I, I got to be prepared, Zach. Thank you expect you. me to be prepared. Somebody got to so, be. Thank you. So the, the following are items I just pulled just one page worth 
of uh, from Weird Al's Twitter and Instagram where he shared the video of the game, the sizzle. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on Twitter, one person posted, damn, need to cut into my weekly burrito allowance. And then they had screen grabbed the original version of the P3 pinball machine, $8,300. Didn't say the price is shown, just said the click here for ordering instructions and then the category, thus conveying that he thought it would be $8,300 for him to own Weird Al. Another person yeah, on Twitter that was posted, too expensive, yeah. yeah, another person. Oh, sure. But I'm not, I'm not judging that part. I'm just saying he thought it was, I'm like, he don't know. Yeah. He doesn't know it's five figures. He thinks it's 8,300. Another person posted on Twitter to Weird Al and said, I'm overjoyed at this news. And on an unrelated note, can I borrow $8,300? <laughs> well, that's not going to get but you But why? Anything. It's not going to get you it. You can't he play that. Know, he thinks it's 8,300 yeah. is my point. You can't play another, a pinball machine for $8,300. Another Twitter so. person posted only 8,000. I assume he rounded down, but. He rounded way down because that's not right. That's not <laughs> shipping then, either, people. Then on Instagram, can I borrow $8,500? It's for a good cause. I think he was factoring in that he needed shipping money, but I'm not <laughs> sure. It's still not right. And taxes. Real taxes. Yeah. And another person, not paying $8,300 for it. Fuck that. Maybe if it was five to 600 or maybe 1000 Okay. <laughs> that person doesn't know anything about yeah. pinball, clearly. Yeah. But- he doesn't know the he's not he's not identified the right price is my point. And then finally mm-hmm. the last one I pulled from Instagram was I really wish I didn't know this exists, but I desperately want it. But for ten thousand, there's no way I'll ever be able to have it devastated. <laughs> I don't know why they said ten thousand, because that's in between everything. It's not right yeah. either. Now, I my point is uh, in regards to your discussion and where you're coming from on it, here's where I'm coming from on it. Because Weird Al is a theme with broad appeal because of Weird Al to non-pinball people, there are a lot of individuals who have looked very, very lightly, I'm sure, not you know, not diving into details on the website, but mm-hmm. the pricing is unclear. And well, the, the, and this is not a statement from anyone directly working for Multimorphic, but when you have someone, and I saw this, who said that, well, it's a modular system, and it was like, you'll have to add some numbers together. That's not consumer friendly. No, not at all. In my and here's Dennis as a non-business to my nonprofit governmental background, you know, take it for whatever you want, just to the listeners. In my opinion, given that this license, because it's a license, was going to be known to be popular with people who do not typically buy pinball. If your goal is to bring those people in, in an ideal world, I would have liked to have seen the website have a link. Like when you click buy now, that would have just been like to get a P3 with Weird Al mm-hmm. as the number one thing. Here's the price, you know, the the 11300 mm-hmm. And you could click that, have the LE one to the side. And then perhaps below that, start showing this stuff for people who already are invested in the platform. People who are into the platform understand the modularity. To me, your current goal um, for the outsiders should be, just my opinion, bring in and get them to buy Weird Al. And then if they love the system, they're going to explore and want to understand the modularity. And the I get that they're really proud of the P3's capabilities, but it should be as easy as possible to buy the game. And this is not, this is not, particularly easy to to understand. If people are looking and they're coming up $3,000 short on the math, there's a there's an issue. And it wasn't everyone. It wasn't everyone. There were people who shared that did understand the right price. And 
you know what? Maybe they're stupid, but it doesn't matter if the yeah. customer's stupid or not. You want them as a customer. That's I what hope. I was going to say. It's, you know, we, we heard a lot these last couple of days after this announcement, Dennis, and for the pricing is confusing. And not, not only that, I will add this, that makes it a little bit more confusing. When they show that sizzle reel and that beautiful uh, backlit speaker panel, there's a, there's a disclaimer that says, that, sorry, that's not included either. That will be an additional fee. But when you go to the website to see what the fucking additional fee is, it's not on there. So does it come with it? Does it not come with it? Do I have to wait until Monday to see if it comes with it? Am I adding it? Like, it's freaking confusing. If I'm wanting a P3, I'm not. If I did, I don't know what I'm getting myself into on Monday when I go to order this. That's a problem. And I am a pinball crazed fan. I can only imagine what it would be like for anybody else interested in this product. That's all. Again, I don't want to I don't want to browbeat it. It's just if who's the target? Is the target to sell modules to people who already own P3s or is the target to sell P3 platforms with Weird Al modules to new people that are not pinheads? Why are they releasing this between? at the same time? The whole new thing and the uh, I don't yeah, know why well, you've released well, the two I, system in the You know, this morning uh before well, I don't, I don't know exactly when they updated the website, but I, I saw a video that my co-host Tony did on, uh, put it up on, a, on an Instagram. I saw about, that. Well, and you've seen this come up before. We've actually had a couple EGP episodes for those that listen on, on the topic related to truth in advertising. And it is, I mean, he is hardcore about people and deception. He mm-hmm. absolutely, well, you, you've seen it before. It's actually, it's a, I think Tony, Tony doesn't listen to this. So uh, I don't think he would, f- he would feel I'm being unfair if I were to say that that was a trigger for him. Oh, he, he was absolutely he was despises it. And he went to this site and it did not say what the price, like you go and you saw $8,300 and you see a picture of weird LLE. You're going to think, yeah, or at least he did that. That's you're going to get Weird Al. Not only are you going to get a fully functional Weird Al, you're going to get the LE. Yeah, they're going to. So now they've they've clarified that the image is a thirteen one hundred. So yes. they addressed his concern from what I heard in his video. That's good. That but is good. I wish it was easier. So I'm not at this point. I think they've de- demarcated that in terms of the image. I just think it's really strange that it doesn't. It seems a little more comp- just a little more complicated to just like was it to just get it? Yeah, like, I don't have a P three. I just want to buy it with Weird Al. I don't. Well, why are you showing me about... a speaker panel? And not tell me how much speaker panel costs. That's all. Well, and I I get that, but those are those are add-ons. So well, when and, can and I buy? It's it? not that your it's not that I disagree with your point, Zach. But yeah, for me, I it's more it. fundamental. It's if your if your goal is to sell games to people that have never owned the system and maybe don't even know anything about pinball, they don't want to add more than one thing to the cart. Sure, sure. And the other thing I would say is. So if I'm if I'm a buy, does P3 have distributors? That's a rhetorical question. I know they have distributors. I, I've seen them mention it on the on the so on. The, I thought on their socials, but I can't find them on the website. Yeah, it's not on the website. So again, and I, actually, and again, Zach, I'm doing my research today. I did my research. Stern, Chicago Gaming Company, American Pinball, Jersey Jack Pinball. I have tabs open right now to their distributors on yeah. their websites. That's part Spooky of a, was the only other one I didn't see. I'd have to check Spooky. Spooky has like... I didn't check this morning, but I checked earlier in the week, and if it was there, I struggled to find it. Okay. So I'm just letting you know. Out of fairness, sure. I'm letting you know. Sure. Uh, so yeah, the, I was struggling because I thought, well, they say the, the action point. What action... Because you see, through the distributors, even if I, you know, setting aside the issues with the website, if 
you can go to the distributors. I could see the distributor saying solving this problem for the buyer and being like, Absolutely. You know, if someone were to call, well, I know you don't distribute for Multimorphic, but if you did, for example, and someone were to call you and say, hey, Zach, I want to get Weird Al, and you'd be like, oh, okay, uh, unless you already own a, a platform, uh, it's going to be 11300 or 13100 mm-hmm. you want the LE. Yeah, if if I'm distributing Multimorphic, the first thing I'm doing is I am getting a video out there for the masses that would be widely viewed that says, let me break this down for you. Here's how it kind of works. Right? You, you would help that consumer so they better understand, but there's a lot of money. They're giving a lot of money. You don't want them uh, to be confused in any way, shape, or form. But the action assignment here is if somebody goes to this website as they're prompted to do through advertisements of this game, there are no other options to purchase this game, Dennis and listener, besides email sales at multimorphic.com, or we will be accepting orders at this time. There is no indication of where else they could purchase this. I I would have a problem with that if I was a dealer. But wait a minute. Maybe this is an oversight. It could be an oversight. Hard to say that this is an oversight. I would assume this is more to drive direct sales, which gets us into that whole direct sales versus dealership kind of thing. I think that if you have a dealership network, they could have done a really good job of opening up information because that's kind of our job as dealers is to provide information and education to that potential buyer base. It's just simply not here. Yeah. I, I mean, you're in, I don't know how many dealers there is distributor more more than me. The, and all I know is multi-market, excuse me, multi-morphic has indicated that they have multiple distributors. The only one I know of is coin taker because coin taker made an announcement and I saw that announcement. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that does help. Well, that's probably because I, I think I follow Cointaker. I, if I didn't, I don't like, I don't know if a non-pinhead would have found that. Whenever you do submit for a sale of, of this product or the products that you want to buy, uh, first off, uh, why the hell can't I buy this game? They're making, they're making P3 machines. Why can't I buy one? The fair, I get it, the fairness thing is what they said, right? Just the game. I'm not talking about Weird Al. I just want to buy a P3. Oh, I can, oh, you can't put in the order for the P3 machine, the platform. No, I can't. Oh. I don't understand that. And then it indicates that on Monday, you're going to be able to, uh, they'll reply back to you via email for an order uh, or an invoice for a $2,000 deposit. So there's a $2,000 pre-order deposit. No other payments are going to be due until your machine enters production. You then have 24 hours to pay this deposit. Otherwise, after the 24 hours, it's going to be canceled. But then it's, it gets a little weird here. After receiving your deposit, they're going to provide you with an estimated ship date. As of this point in time, we don't know if it's uh, machines are rolling out in a week or five years. We have no clue. But after receiving your deposit, you will be provided with an estimated ship date. Odd. You will then have an additional 24 hours to cancel your order and have your deposit returned. Okay, so that's fair. That is fair. Uh, minus any fees incurred. Interesting. What what fees would there be? I mean, normally, isn't a credit card cancellation uh, fully refunded mm. at that short notice? I don't mm. like with PayPal. I think I, as long as I cancel within thirty, you know, when I take registrations for my for my work, mm-hmm. I think if I cancel within thirty days, I no one has to eat the credit card fee. It it yeah. I mean, I don't know how the credit so, cards so, work, but I mean. I think this is, go ahead, you can finish your I was just going to say, I'll it says, my... non-canceled orders are then only refundable if we miss your estimated ship date by six months, at which time you'll once again be permitted to cancel your order and have your deposit returned. So, they come back to you and they say it's going to be a year, two years, whatever they say. 
you have 24 hours to decide if that is too long for you. You're like, no, I'm good. That's a little bit longer than I wanted to wait. You cancel your order. If you stick with it, if, if they have five months, if they were five months delayed on their estimation, you, you still, their deposit's yours if you want to cancel. But if it falls outside of six months window, then you'll be permitted to cancel your order and have your deposit refunded. That's kind of, isn't that odd? It's kind of an odd way of doing things. Uh, I've not seen any other companies doing that. It could, this know, could be a good thing. May, maybe. I don't, I don't think it's particularly onerous. I mean- I, I think in an ideal world, when, when I read this, I would say I would prefer as a consumer if I actually got the estimated ship date before I paid the deposit. Mm-hmm. But maybe what they mean is they'll get that. I would hope that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I would hope that when someone emails in, they would give a loose estimation date. But I get, I think they probably did it this way because they're like, until we actually have the money and put people in the queue. Mm-hmm. We won't know for sure because what if you're like on the fence and then you you deposit two days after we gave you the initial estimate, but we got 40 other people who came in. Yeah, that's true. So I, I get that. I don't know the language with the fees thing. If it's within 24 hours, I actually, I, I, I would recommend that you pull that. I mean, if I were advising the company simply because it sounds like you have to give them $2,000 and is there a handling fee or whatever is my like non-credit card fee that like a restocking fee just to find out that, you know, oh, well, I'll have to wait eight months. Mm-hmm. So now I don't want it. Like you should be able to back away once you know what the time, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, when, I I've asked that. you before about if I were to buy this game, when would I possibly get it? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not asking you to tell me, oh, it will be April 20th, Dennis, but I do, I do expect to actually have an estimate before I paid anything. Yes. So and other we- than that, though, yeah, the six month thing, I just assume is as delayed as everything has been. Look, I mean, look at how many times Stern has pushed on things. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I think I think that's I actually think that's OK. And it feels like they're okay. they're setting up. It feels like a spooky here where they're like, hey, guys, it's going to take us 18 to 24 months to make these things. Yeah, actually, so. of, the, of the whole statement, the only thing I really don't care for is uh, saying that there's a potential loss of fees if you cancel within 24 hours. I, just eat the cost at that point. If if you've scared them off because of your super long shipping, just eat that cost. And if you want to sell your spot, you can. It says order transfers requests are yeah. subject to a $100 transfer fee. So you got you got to pay $100. Uh, that's payable by the original purchaser if you want to transfer I, I mean, I've never okay. done transfer. I think that sounded fair to me, but what do they do? What do you, what do you, you transfer? Well, I've never How been a big fan of that? the companies having to keep track of all these. Well, I was the buyer, but now I'm giving the buyership to this new purchaser. It's like no other business does that. Yeah. Okay. It's weird. So, so the game looks like maybe cool. di- like that, that's the thing where it's like, have a distro do that. I, sure. But if you're the company, I wouldn't want to be stuck. I charge them a hundred bucks. I charge them 200. Other things that are interesting to me, I'm just going to dive into some of these things. Dennis, you can tell me if you agree or disagree. So the pricing is kind of confusing. Borderline, some false advertising there, but they fix some of that. That's good. The website information is confusing. You can't really find the distributors to where to buy it from. Um, I am having a big issue with them. I, I feel like Multimorphic's leaving their early adopters high and dry here. How so? I'll tell you what. They, these early adopters, the people that Jerry and company kind of were banking on to get this system off the ground. I mean, this system's been in, in essence, what, almost 10 years? This system's really old. I thought it was like four years. Four, four years. Anyway. Four, four. <laughs> 10 years. It's four years. It's been 84 years. Well, I think years. The, they opened the, I don't know when. <laughs> it was on the Titanic. It let Leo go. <laughs> Why are you defending the Leo dropper? 
I think the Facebook website opened 10 years ago. Whatever. Okay. Uh, well, but he used to do boards and stuff. I'm, I'm exactly. talking about, I thought yes. they've been spending like four and a half years selling the P3 platform. Feels longer, but I don't know. Uh, but these early adopters, God bless them. They're in here. Now it just feels like they have an old, unwanted, outdated ass machine. Not only do we have a brand new game module, but we got a brand new 2.0 system. And this brand new 2.0 system makes a head look a hell of a lot better. You also get an LCD screen free of charge. You also get all this stuff. And they're like, no, we're not leaving you guys out. If you want it, you're going to have to pay. You're going to need an LCD screen. You're going to need two additional flippers. Not only that, you're going to need that scoop bank. How much it is? I don't know. When it's available? Not sure. You're going to need a new head also available. When? I don't know. How much? I'm not sure. And the the thorn in my side and the candle on the cake, listener, is the flipper upgrade kit. I, I'm Dennis, you know I've gotten hung up on this in our private conversations. You will have to pay $40. You've been riding this company since, since uh, the early days. But if you want your flippers to feel enhanced, you have to pay $40. $40 dollars dennis but you don't need the enhanced I, that's what i'm telling you they're no, not a necessity you don't you don't, you don't you need, need then it. why did you make an enhanced flipper system if you don't need them why let the uh, it makes no sense well here's the thing are the flippers uh, better to me it does yes look it's technology okay are they supposed to just keep it static forever or are they supposed to make improvements where improvements are warranted? I am totally fine with that. What I'm not fine with is it's 40 fucking dollars. What did Jerry sell? He, he sold maybe 10 to 20 machines over the last 10. Jerry, don't be stingy. Eat the damn cost. Upgrade the flippers for these people. It's $40. That's not, that's not probably not even the cost. I'll, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. This is nickel dimey like well, no other. You, but remember that thing with the whole power supply with American Pinball? I remember. Didn't they charge? Power supplies typically are more expensive, I would guess, than upgraded saying, flipper EOS that was switches. was an upgrade, and they ended up charging. And I, lo- I know people were mad about it, too. And I love, I've been hit with all these P3 apologists that are like, well, no, it's it's not needed. I've heard that. It's not needed. It's not. But, you know, it does it does make it feel a lot better. But, sure. but before it was fine. I just want to put that out there. There was no issue before, but it's a little bit better now, and that's fine. But just, I'm, I'm almost, you know, I, I almost feel so bad for these early adopters that are getting neglected here. I want to be like, you know what? Flipping out doesn't sell multimorphic, but damn it, I almost want to buy these poor early adopters. It can't be many of them. Buy them the $40 upgrade kit so yours can feel a little better than normal. That's frustrating to me because it's just so small. It's so minute. And it's just another figure you got to put in your spreadsheet to add up to get this game the way it's supposed to be. I think upgraded flipper kits should go out to every machine that they've ever sold, period. Or charge everybody else buying a new game, charge them at $40 too. I think it's fair. Sorry, I get hung up on that $40. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I don't don't agree. I would say... I'd split the difference. I would say <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'm going to be diplomatic. I'll split the difference. Zach, anyone who uh, originally bought a P3 and still owns it should get the flipper upgrade for free. Okay. But if they sold it along now, nah. warranty is not extended on. You That's know what? I would do it. That's I'm, how I do it. I'm good with that. If listener flipping out pinball, will be happy to buy you your better flipper feel for the multimorphic 
if you message us and say, hey, I've got proof. I don't have this upgrade kit yet. I haven't purchased it, but I have proof that I am the original owner of this machine. Flipping Out Pinball will be happy to pay for that upgrade kit. Email me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at flip the letter in out pinball.com. I give away banners that cost more than that. Jeez. Well, they are big banners. <sighs> They're nice banners. I get that. New overhaul system 2.0. Why not a, I have talked about this before. Why not a 4K TV? Oh my God. No, don't, don't. No, 4K is a far, it's a false chalice to go after for something like this. Man, if you're going to be the most innovative machine in the marketplace and that's your, that's your thing you're staying behind. It's not the tech, it's the asset generator. We were just discussing the animations and, you know, the quality compared to like looking at a halo or an Elden ring or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they don't have the money to do that sort of animation level. They can't even fully take advantage of 1080p and you want them to go to four. There's no value to it. Mm. They won't take advantage of it. So it's just a waste of money. What about the overlay sticker on the play field? Can we not get a regular play field? One third. We're still dealing with a sticker. It's like a decal. I sure. You, you got one wood on the one piece of wood on. This oh, you mean like, uh, you, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what material and stuff they're using, but I, th- I thought it looked okay. Are you worried? Like the ball will chew, chew it up. Yeah. Just like I'm worried about any overlay on any older machine. Hmm. It's just not as nice. You print on wood, it's nice. If I mean, I don't know like if they mylar over, over all of that or what. I don't I know if there's know. like a, a, a veneer that protects it. Yeah, I was just remembered the early game I had. The Lexi was like the sticker was peeling up and I was like, oh, that looks like cram. My other worry, Dennis, is right now it's so big. Pinball is so big about value and holding current values, right? Uh, you buy a Stern LE, them damn things continue to go up. A JJPC, they continue to go up. Frickin' Chicago Gaming Company. If you'd bought an LE on that thing, you're sitting at four, five, six thousand dollars more than you put into it. I am legitimately concerned that if you pay thirteen thousand plus dollars because you got thirteen thousand dollars plus the enhancements at some point in time once they're announced, plus the shipping, plus the tank, if you go in fourteen thousand dollars plus on this game, listener, I don't think you're gonna get it out of it in six months. Now maybe you bolt it to your floor and you keep it for the rest of your life. Terrific. Maybe you're not in this to hold value, and you're like, look, this isn't an investment. We hear that argument. So if I lose money, I lose money. Totally fine. But for those of you who do care, I do worry about that. I do not see this thing. I think you drive this thing off the lot. You're, you're 3000 in the hole, personally. Now, again, you don't think that the with the – because my concern, much like, well, essentially every other manufacturer out there, the lead times on getting games, getting platforms at least – has grown over time. I remember a time where I was hearing people who were interested in the P3 platform being quoted approximately a three-month build. Uh, and now I'm hearing more like five months. I know someone who ordered at Expo, you know, played Heist, mm-hmm. loved it, ordered at Expo, and they're still waiting for the platform. They're five so, months now, yeah. So my, my story is, and again, these sort of lead time issues exist in, from all the manufacturers yeah. that I'm aware of. You know, we could go on ad nauseum about Fathom and their- and Not the JJP right now. Give them credit. So, you can so, buy JJP. Given all that, though, do you not think that with the popularity of Weird Al and just how slow these will probably trickle out that it won't hold the value at least for a while? No, I I think immediately. I hmm. really think immediately because Okay, I I don't. I don't, but but how long are you thinking? Yeah, I just I mean, here's here's my big concern. I don't right? know. Uh, I you move into a subdivision and you've got the most expensive house by $50,000, that's never a good sign in real estate. You don't want the most expensive, you don't want the least expensive. They tell you that all the time. Oh, right? did Greg Bone tell you that? Well, you know. <laughs> God, bringing him into this. This ain't straight down the middle. Uh, but you're already at the top there. 
You've got a theme that's eh, right? You already have the dedicated people that are just so damn gung-ho about multimorphic products. You've already got them in. You've got a system that is modular, which, which is great. So you don't really need the machine. Let's say you just buy the machine later. Then you can buy uh, Weird Al. So it kind of eats its own sales in a way, too. You, you get enough platforms out there, and there's still, it's still a niche product. It's going to be. Unless you get a big dynamite theme. Unless manufacturing can figure things out. But based on what I've been told by Multimorphic, manufacturing is going to have to bump up, too. They're not going to be ready for this. So no, I don't, I, I see this almost like kind of your, the spooky Halloween thing that we're dealing with right now. Hmm. And I think the longer it takes to build these things, the more you're going to kind of see those prices continue to come down. The only way that that changes, the only way, because this doesn't have a collector feel to it like a Stern does. You row, you row your Sterns out, that is a, a collector-based feel. I don't think these things are having number badges or anything like that. It doesn't feel like a collector because you, you can't collect anything. How do you display your modules right now? You stuff them under the machine. There's nothing really collector about this. I like their LA package and how they're going to do that, but I don't, th- and I don't think this holds. I think you buy it for 13 it's worth 10 if you can resell it. Mm. I think I, it's going to come wrong. down to the gameplay. Yeah, See, that, your, well, that's your what spooky, I was Your to. spooky analysis is the problem is Halloween and Ultraman are not well-liked players, yeah, the, broadly the speaking. The point that I was going to get to, I was spaced out there, was it will. I'm with you. It comes down to the rules. If this game is just a freaking banger and the rules are unbelievable and this is a must-have game regardless of the theme, i.e. Walking Dead, i.e. Elvira's House of Horse, if it's that... That's the saving grace of this game. But I don't think the theme does it. I don't think the platform itself is going to hold the value um, by itself independently. I don't think even the artwork is going to make it hold the value. Um, I think it all has to come down, not to put pressure on McAlpine and Bowen Cairns, but that's where it's at. And regardless of how great this layout is, visually, I'll have to play it. But visually, when I look down there, there's nothing that says, holy shit, I've got to show everybody that walks into my game room this. This is so different in pinball that they are going to, uh, they're going to fall in love with what pinball is. I don't see anything in there. that I had to ask what the greatest shot in pinball history was on this play field. I don't see it. Just my take. I guessed wrong. I thought it was the, uh, the lift ramp, the two-way ramp. <laughs> That's my favorite. So as a closing analysis here, listener, Dennis, I think this game is going to sell. You said it's going to sell. It's going to sell a hell of a lot better than any other products at Multimorphic, minus the P3 Rock and the P Rock, right? Uh, but as a pinball machine, the P3, the, this is going to sell better than it ever has, I believe. We can agree. Yeah, on that. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think they'll sell more platforms with this than they have to date. Now, I think that 227 is a low limited edition number. And I said initially, listener, they'll sell 200 of these units. I didn't know that they were going to have LEs or standards or anything. I do kind of worry that this thing, I'm not sold that it's going to sell 227 immediately. I don't think it will. I don't know. Without, uh, without them just selling through to dealers, I don't think it sells 227. Hmm. I don't think it will immediately. Maybe it will. Uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll say the LEs all sold out at least immediately and, and we'll know if the theme moved it or not. The ma- and the reason I say that is just that the biggest thing I've seen on people commenting who are who are really interested, but they've never played a P3 before and 
there are a lot of people I know you I know you don't always know they exist Zach but there are people <laughs> like me that when it comes to new inbox we we have to play it first uh and a lot of them just they want to know how the how the p3 system feels because it's so different or it looks so different mm-hmm. so they want to know how it feels first so there may be some people that aren't at you know you noted at launch they might not at launch but I could definitely in fact I will say they will see an uptick after TPF regardless they will see an uptick okay but, I see. Yeah. But whether or not they're already at the 227 by TPF, uh, I don't I don't know. You may be right. It may be a bit steep for them to make. But given the production uh, timelines, that's maybe not a bad thing. I mean, think about it. What's the turnaround time for production of these? If you want a standard or anything, are they making LEs first? Are they making standards first? How, are they making the modules first of the people with existing games? Are they make? Oh, I don't know how any of that's going to work. But given and it's a question t- if they have any already built. I mean, they, I know they have some because there's stuff going to be at TPF, but like... Did they well, have any ready for customers? Well, and the the pinball news article said that yeah. they've already got some of the kits sold because, or some of the kits made and going out because the uh, their Discord channel or wherever they were kind of taking orders before this game was but even announced. I then heard someone indicate that that was wrong. Yes, I, so I don't know. I don't know. I think the the moral of the story here looks like a cool product. I think it's going to sell. It's got a licensed theme that Jerry and Multimorphic have got to be thrilled about. It looks like a designed well game. It, it's got a lot going for it, and it's going to do them well. It's going to keep them into the next couple chapters of their company. But there are some just really crucial things that have deterred and will deter in the future if they don't change. They will deter their sales and their overall ability uh, to push this game and to get it out there and to get it accepted because let's not joke ourselves, this product is not widely accepted by the community as of yet. It's just not. And I think it's going to take more than this game in particular to get it there. I anticipate over the next couple of weeks, we'll hear individuals from the Multimorphic team talk on different media programs, podcasts, or interviews. Um, I think we'll get that here soon, so stay tuned for that. And if you're going to TPF, play that game. And, uh, you know, if you see me, we'll, we'll play a game together and see see how it is. Yay! And I will say that I did join the Multimorphic Discord channel. And for the most part, everybody in there was freaking awesome. And they were really welcoming and really kind and 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 nice so thank you there thank are a lot you. of nice people with p3 absolutely I, you know i don't know what if i have a rep with p3 or not most of the games haven't really appealed to me i did have a pretty favorable review of heist over on eclectic gamers uh back yeah, when did. i finally got to play it at expo but you know i like a lot of people who work on p3 uh i mean there are a lot of people that do the third-party development which is really cool and a lot of them aren't really making traditional pinball but but like from just a creativity perspective, it's a medium. It's like a paint mm-hmm. that you can work with. And so there's a, from like a homebrew angle, there's just a, and it's beyond homebrew because they actually make things that end up being able to be sold. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot about that's just really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of the people so, over there. We anyway. got Nick Baldridge. He's a genius. And- yeah. Nick, Nick is, Nick is, Nick is super smart. He's not right about everything though, Nick. If you're listening, you're not always right. You're just mostly right. I get to be right sometimes. Buffalo Kevin over there. Love that guy. Yeah. So yeah. Everybody's and overall, you know, I think like the lead up and stuff and the teaser and the sizzle. Uh, oh, I cool. think P3 yeah. got a lot. I just want to, I'll emphasize it because I know people are, and I was kind of a, a downer earlier, I'm sure. But it's like a lot of the stuff about Weird Al specifically, I think they did really, really well. Really yeah. well. We even got Some to see. Some of the stuff on the ordering. Yeah. But uh, we even I'm got to see Fliptronics Becca in the, in the sizzle reel. So mm-hmm. <laughs> she made yeah. a cameo in there. So yeah, very, very cool. Can't wait to play it. But speaking of interviews and people being on interviews, Pinball Profile, Jeff Teolis interviewed Josh Sharp, the IFPA president. 
See that? He does that every year. Yeah, he had a lot of little nuggets in there. Josh is a, I think he's a, he's a, a ten pack, like the ten piece, <laughs> ten, ten piece of nugget. Yeah, he's. A, I think he's a ten. I don't think he's a twenty. He he's pretty a thin. A lot of good nuggets over there with that sharp brother. He was talking about working on uh, the Cactus Canyon revisited uh, enhanced uh, enhanced code that's due out and working with Lyman Sheets in general before his passing. He talked about Lyman teasing that he believed Lyman Sheets believed per Josh Sharp that. The Cactus Canyon code is actually now better than Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars. Oh, too bad the layout isn't. Wah, wah. <sighs> but uh, code's a big thing now. And if you hear Lyman Sheet saying, hey, I think we made Cactus Canyon code better than Medieval Madness Attack from Mars, that says a lot. It, it, really it does. does. Uh, you know, I, actually, I'm not huge on Medieval Madness's code, I, but I thought Attack from Mars was really clever because there are three essential ways you could attack it. But mm-hmm. I could see... I think we see modern code surpassing what AFM's code was, and so I can definitely yeah. believe that that Lyman and Josh were able to take CCR code beyond that. And I love that Josh Sharp really focused. You guys have to listen to this podcast, Pinball Profile, at pinballprofile.com. Lyman, he was talking about Lyman being, he's like, don't forget, like Lyman wasn't just a programmer or a coder. He was, he's very much a conductor, a director. He worked with artists. He worked with the designers. He seen the bigger picture, and that was so a focus and important to him, listener, that it, let's not think of him just as a, an exquisite and terrific programmer. He was just that, but he was very much bigger picture ideas kind of person. He's coded because he saw the bigger picture, and that's why he worked with some of the artists and different things. And at that, at the point of his passing, Josh said that Lyman was kind of storyboarding that wizard mode with an artist and a sound engineer. So it's not Lyman creates code, gives it to somebody, and then they have to work around that. Lyman worked with those individuals to make one cohesive package, which I think really helped uh, why his code sets and rules stuck out from a bunch of the crowd. Uh, where do we go from here? Now that Lyman's not there, you know, uh, to be there to support and help. He said, Josh, Josh's task is to make a list of what's complete and what's not complete. With reference to what's complete and what's not, he, he did say that Lyman already laid out all of the rules. All the rules are already laid out. The storyboards are laid out. Everything is there. But some of those details on coding it, not yet complete, which I'm very thankful for. I'm thankful we're still going to get that full Lyman experience and vision. It's just going back to the CGC programmers and saying, hey, you've been working with Lyman for a long time now. Let's take all of his notes and outlines and what he wanted you guys to do that you haven't been able to get done yet. Cause you think about it, Lyman's not going to code the, the color animations and stuff like that. It's the artist. The artist does that. So now it's just that work has to be grinded out and incomplete. But I was so thankful to hear that uh, we're still getting all of what Lyman was going to bring. So that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people who are in on that game are, will be excited about that. Absolutely. Lyman was once at Stern Pinball. And we have a lot of Stern Pinball news. The big, really? big old draw. Oh, you got your, your segues are actually more on point than I thought they'd be today. They're, I know. Stern Pinball's Gary Stern, the big chief over there, dropped a bombshell on everybody this last <laughs> week, announcing that this year, 2022, they're eliminating or delaying one of their Cornerstone titles. Typically, listener, they have three releases of Cornerstones each and every year. This year, they are only coming out with two, and one of them has already been released in Rush. So we're only going to get one more Cornerstone game for the year of 2022, and that will come around August. Yes, thank you. Whew. Gary, 
you are not you're, you're you may not be the hero we deserve but you're the hero we needed <laughs> is he one of us yet no still not <laughs> gary good good choice <laughs> elvira's have been they've been they've been waiting you got to give the people what they want and what they want are perfectly formed ramps <laughs> they don't they don't want uh, any rumored venom they don't no, no they tone. don't want any more marvel they want to marvel at the wonder that is Elvira. She is the greatest of all time. I did two other games with her. This made game number three. Oh, uh, no shaking or stirred yet, huh? Okay. So that's the word. Now, I have heard from some sources that were reporting that going forward, Stern's only going to have two cornerstones each and every year. That is not what they said. They said for the year of 2022. They were anticipating another release around April and shipping in May. That's the one that they're, I don't know if they're delaying it or I don't know what's coming out in August. Yeah. It was that April mm. title, but we're only I mean, I one. was up until this week still hearing reports about, yeah, it was, you know, April, May was going to be mm-hmm. a game. Yeah. My last EGP rumor quarter has been totally awful. I, I would feel bad, but people don't care if the rumors are true. They just want them. They're feverish for them. Yes, they are. Uh, you know, I could see them doing only two in the future, only if they're still totally backlogged but from a from a pr perspective that backlog was being a problem this this is the right move and i don't want to be a denny downer but <gasps> sorry i'm still using that, that was term. a reference to me no one <laughs> calls me denny though <laughs> i heard you say debbie downer in egp and i was like you know what you were thinking <laughs> mm-hmm. so, uh, but uh i don't want you turning on me you were you were feisty i turn on week. everyone Oof. because i'm the i'm the fairest one of all oh, in pinball man well, i'm the snow white of pinball people really pissed you off you don't say anything Oof. I was like, it's kind of like when you're, you never see your dad lose his temper and then you see him just blast off. You're like more terrified than if you met the incredible Hulk on a bad day. So yeah, don't want to make you mad there, Dennis. Sorry, Dennis Creasel, not Dennis. Uh, but the one thing that I will say is as a reminder, sure. We might get a cornerstone in August. Uh, they didn't say they're not going to do a studio release or a vault. Just, you know, just throwing that out there. Just as a reminder, they didn't say anything about studios or faults. Just a cornerstone. I like it. Well, and the other thing here is this. A lot of people are like, Zach, you must be thrilled. As a dealer, you have so many hundreds yeah, of games back ordered. And, I, and I, I hope you, you bought cake. I'm mixed on this one. Why? It's a bittersweet thing. Why bitter? Well, Why not just like sugary chocolate? Because, you know, keeping it real here, and it does help. Absolutely helps. And some of our customers will get games uh, that they might have had to wait longer on. Overall, it is a great, great move. Bittersweet because, number one, personally, I like new games. I like the news and shiny stuff. I like being able to talk about it. I like the competition that it brings to the other manufacturers. And it's a big upswing when we get a new release. There's a lot of orders but you're not paid until the games actually get made and they weren't getting made. And ultimately, I will say this. It helps a lot, but there's still a big old back order even with it filling these spots. I only speak for myself as a dealer, but if I'm looking at 10%, 15, if I'm being friendly and I want to make everybody look good, you know, so would your perception change as a dealer, Dennis, if you said, hey, we're going to delay an entire new release? And it's going to help 10% of your back orders. 
Uh, you I see mean, I, I mean? would have. I would have hoped the number would have been a lot higher. Well, uh, then they can only do so much if they're only no, I, taking I the space it. of one Look, cornerstone. Look, Gary's trying to give you a hand up, not a hand out. That's right. Watch those hands. Don't get and, accused of anything. You know, regarding your, the hype uh, in promotional stuff, and you, I know you you may not distribute for all the companies that will have releases this year, but my hope is we. Yeah, 2021 was kind of like the Stern show, and then there were there were P3 games, and like that was it. That was remember? it. Remember? Yeah. There's like no. I mean, going back over the my my pinball industry awards ballot, it was like it was Stern and Multimorphic, and that's it. Yeah, a lot, like, of, a lot more. Variety so this, this year, year, though, if we've got JJP, if we've got American Pinball, if we got Chicago Gaming, maybe a little bit of your joy can be filled by the other manufacturers. Very true. That doesn't solve your 10 percent though. So yeah, we'll get a probably maybe another Chicago gaming release. We'll get the JJP release this year. We'll get yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll get plenty of stuff. I like my Sterns, but all right. now we are still waiting on a lot of people are waiting on dealers wise the bulk of those insider connected premium alley kits to ship. They were supposed to ship last week. I was told they didn't ship, so still waiting on those. Apologies, apologies. If you mount it to the door, you can get a pro. Blah 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 blah. Do you know the Star Wars is now connected? I did not. Mm-hmm. Now Insider Connected. We were still waiting on Star Wars and Mandalorian. Those are the last two titles that have not uh, been eligible for connectivity. Those are both the white titles, and they're both uh, Lucasfilm's Disney properties too. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there are other connect. Remember, mm. correlation does not prove causation. That's true. Learn that. Uh, Got that beating over my head so many times in grad school and undergrad and high school. And Star Wars is now connected, but I, I had a little snafu, Dennis. <sighs> I don't know how this happens. God, I love them, but I can just see them flustered over there. So they, they say, hey, it's now Insider Connected. You guys can buy those retrofit kits, right? What? Whoa. So we sent out retrofit kits, and I started getting hammered with people saying, uh, Zach, the, the Cat 5 cable that's supposed to plug into an open port on one of these node boards. There's no open node board Cat5 plugs, so what do I do now? Just unplug the Hyperloop. You, that's, Just unplug it. Well, the, uh, I think it's the little LCD monitor was oh. occupying one of the space. I don't think they thought about it, so the tech department over at Stern's like, shh, they didn't think about it. So they're getting flooded with people saying, I can't hook up my Insider Connected kit because there's no open spot. So I can tell you guys they are... Looking for a fix as quickly as possible. And I can tell you it was an oversight, very much an oversight. Mm. But I can't. No, I. Uh, <laughs> who, who does that on I purpose? Well, if it's just like. <laughs> just a hazard. Oh, I'm tired of being on the tech support. I'm going to teach them all. I'm going to fix you, it's Jerry. Right. Yeah, hey, George, they're ready. Go yeah. ahead. Hey, George, this is what I think of your Deadpool 2.0. Yeah. Eh? Oh, I love working. Sally doesn't. I want to torture her and make her work I want over the micro- I, want the, I want the microwave bank back. <laughs> Stupid COVID. Last time I was there, they, did, redu- they did reduce that, too. I wonder so. if they overcooked Ray Day's Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets. <laughs> I hate Hot Pockets so much. I just <laughs> loved his... his <laughs> uh, did you see his, his follow-up? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. Really the listeners are like, what is this? We did not subscribe to the Hot Pocket Podcast. Hey, you and join TPN podcast, as, a, as a provider and you get HPP. to learn about Radio Hot Pockets. Uh, no, so we had, uh, I, do, I do know a fix though. Thankful to a customer out there that did message me and said, hey, uh, he initially had the problem. I was like, hang tight. Let me see what they say. He came back and he said, hey, a typical splitter works. Oh, I thought you were going to say, you got an old router lying around, yeah, put it into a, switch mode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw it in there. 
Press the button. <laughs> channel three, channel four. Channel Castle three, channel net four. Gear. <laughs> so a typical router or a typical splitter <laughs> does <laughs> Typical splitter works. It works fine. Okay. I, I anticipate that's probably what they will do. All right, another news. We have Bob Baffy. You know anything about Bob Baffy? I actually do not. Oh, yeah, Bob Baffy. He's a sound designer and engineer. Uh, most recently worked on the Stern Rush pinball machine as well as Led Zeppelin. He's a video, he was doing video game like coding and music and software and stuff. So, yeah, Bob Baffy was interviewed on the Pinball Show Interviews podcast with Matt Morrison this last week. Really technical, deep. I love Matt Morrison interviews. I can't say it enough. I got most people seem to. We get a lot of praise, at least I see it, um, about Matt and just. And the big thing about it is, it's just that calm Southern draw. No, I'm kidding. Matt knows his stuff. It's the the thing about Matt, Matt's technique. And all of a sudden, we're now we're the, we're the interview analyzing podcast. The thing with Matt <laughs> that I I see cited most of all is it when he interviews, people don't get the perception that he's reading down a list of questions, but that he's actually listening to who he's interviewing and the questions flow dynamically mm-hmm. based off of that. And Much like dynamic mixing in video that's games. That's right, and he does his homework. And speaking of dynamic mixing, thank you for that layup there. Bob Baffy was talking about, you know, if he had a magic wand and he could do anything he wanted in pinball with sound design and engineering, he said a dream project of his listener is to introduce dynamic mixing into pinball machines similar to what they do in video games. And not to get too technical, but what he's talking about is uh, the term ducking. Ducking would be based on frequencies, not just the volume. And he said it's really CPU intensive, which is likely the hang up. But he said dynamic mixing that we get in video games, everything is contingent algorithmically based on, you would get a lot more uh, in layman's terms, you get a lot more uh, synced reaction to what you're doing in the game uh, and that music flowing better with that. Does that make sense? Uh, hopefully, I don't know. Not really. I'm ignorant. I'll have to, to listen to the well. interview. I, I haven't uh, played it yet. No, you just want all these processors to be dedicated to your 4K dreams. You don't no, care I about think this what, stuff. What he's referring to, right now you can do things in processing on pinball machines, like changing the volume when certain things happen to make that dynamic. But dynamic mixing is taking different elements during that process based on switch hits or moments in the game that you can... You can kind of tweak those more than just mm. volume, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get I get it conceptually. I wish I could hear an example, though, to truly know. The one thing you will not hear at TPF this year is the new Jersey Jack pinball game. What? Yeah, Ken Rudberg. I know a lot of people saying, oh, we're going to see the new rumored, uh, rumored toy story at TPF. My spies say they have like two billion of them built. It's not happening. <laughs> Nope. Many boffins died to bring me that information. <laughs> and what are you telling us? You heard it here. The TPS correspondent, Ken Rudberg himself, saying that he can confirm we are not going to see the new JJP game at Texas Pinball Festival this year. Sorry. <sighs> Sorry. Not what happened? Happen. Ken, hi, hi, you got to pull a Craig Bobby. You got to become the conference room table and tell us. Right now, Ken Crom's like, son of a bitch. Like, I was part of the, I was part of creating that thing over there. Now they're reporting it. Like what? Sorry, Ken. Am I getting an email or text from Ken? What the hell? Good job, Ken. I'm uh, referencing both Kens. It's confusing. But hey, if anybody wants a second, a factory second GNR playfield, you can buy them right now at pinballwizard.com, two ninety nine. Mm. A wall hanger is what they call it. Or a replacement? No, not a replacement. Well, it's factory second, so no. I don't know what that means. Uh, that that means there's probably it's not fit for a production. 
Oh, it didn't okay. make that production cut. It's not intended it's to be used. Loser play field for yeah. losers. It's a loser play field. But at the price of two ninety nine, makes a hell of a nice accent in the game room. I can yeah, send it. Uh, you got go and send it to Tilt Cycle. Get it's, it to do it up for you. It's a hell of a lot better than having an ugly ass mystery castle play field in the game room. I can tell you that much. <gasps> oh, Carl D'Angelo's <laughs> perfect Shots game. Fired, Carl. Well, look, uh-huh. Carl, Carl D'Angelo is in the news again this week. Couple things. Number one, man, he's. I love that guy. He's, he's the the consummate professional when it comes to being a troll. Um, he's a respectable troll. He shared this last week. His crystal, his pinball industry award crystal. I thought that oh, was yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, for streaming. Yeah. But if you take a look, where was that crystal sitting, Dennis? I'm trying to think back. I think he had it on one of his games. Oh, I like how nonchalant. Man, I think I'm going to make Zach say this. Well, it was sitting atop a mystery castle pinball machine. Uh, so okay. funny, Carl. Hilarious. Maybe that was just coincidence, though. Maybe that was the game that was in front in his lineup from the last tournament. And the response from everybody. Oh, everybody just loved it. They did? Oh, so funny. They noticed that? Everybody was like, oh, that's great. Oh, my gosh. I hope they didn't tag you. Yeah, they might have even tagged me and said, get the fuck out of here, Zach. Thanks, Robert Byers. (gasps) Funny. Hilarious. Hilarious. And if Carl D'Angelo wasn't funny enough, he just teased this Monday night, February 28th, you can watch a high-stakes streaming event on Twitch, i.e. Pinball. Go check it out. $2,000 are up up for the grabs. Four games, four competitors. What are the games? High production fashion is going to be good. What are the games? He's had to ask. Well, we get a Godzilla. (laughs) Carl, baby, that's what I'm talking about. Showcase those new games that people can buy. Pirates of the Caribbean from Jersey Jack. So they can't really buy that. And they didn't show the fourth game, but the third game was none other than Mystery Castle by Alvin (laughs) G. (laughs) Thank you for reading that game list, Zach. That was the uh, response that uh, a lot of people have taken. So... Hey, he's witty. Tournament he's Darling Mystery Castle is its new this official is, title. This is going to be a thing now. Isn't it? It's the new Doodlebug. This is going to be a thing. Everybody rub it in. Just rub it in. The wounds aren't healed yet, but that's okay. Keep rubbing. Self-inflicted wounds, Zach. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, but you all are helping heal it. <laughs> well, like, so oh. it's kind of like a sterilizing agent I feel like carl d'angelo is like oh i'm so sorry your left leg is broken crunch there's your right leg <laughs> good luck crawling <laughs> uh, you look like a dancing skeleton before it's all said and done oh the reference to the the dmd of a you know you get that yes the mr yes. castle the dancing that's skeleton. a pretty deep cut well i know a lot about pinball and competitive pinball so what can I say? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's not fun. Okay. Brilliant. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your favorite pinball podcasting segment of all time and all that ever will be. It goes by the little name of... Well, unfortunately, I'm going to I'm gonna do a little caveat here this week. I've been told a couple times, Dennis, over this last week that if I were re- to report anything negative about Multimorphic and their new module on the P3 system, Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity, that it would probably be because I have beef with the company or because I don't sell the games as a dealer. There's like this contingency. If you crap on it, it's because you already have issues and it's not objectively how you feel about the system. I've been told that from a handful of people this last week. 
And to that, I will say, hey, I've got a contingency of my own. If this episode, Dennis, doesn't do great, it's because this week we didn't have a pinball market trends. <laughs> so, you see, I'm kind of hedging my bet as well. If we don't get listener-wise uh, what we're typically used to getting in the 5,000s, then it's, it's because there's no pinball market trends this week. Sorry, everybody. But as always, I'm here not to report based on any agendas. I'm here to report the facts because numbers will never lie on not only Pinball Market Trends, but the Pinball Show exclusively on the Pinball Network. Ding. All right, Dennis, let's close down this show. Woo. Yeah. That was different. It's long. It feels long. I think uh, to commemorate how different the P3 system is in the world of pinball, this episode was kind of different. Feels good. Mm. I like it. I like it. I am looking forward to shooting some Weird Al, though. I'm kind of pumped, actually. Not going to lie. It looks nice. It looks fun. Yeah. I'm jamming on it. I'm going to start listening to some Weird Al music, too. It always Every time we get like a release of something that I'm not, not uh, familiar with or it's been so long since I know the reference, I like to go back. Like if I'm... You know, I buy a shadow pinball machine. I'm like, yeah, I'll go back and watch a film and remind myself mm. why that theme is so much better as a pinball theme and not a movie or, you know, Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, actually, you know, I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of similar. Actually, before we started, before we connected to start doing the recording, mm-hmm. I uh, watched the old uh, uh, music video for, not Weird Al, but uh, Adele's Rolling in the Deep because it reminded me of how when I was younger, I too wished I had been a cocaine ninja. <laughs> So, Dennis, between now and the next time, where can people catch you? Well, they can email eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. They could go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and use the messenger tool and send me messages. Those are the easiest ways to reach out. Yeah, this is the way. And you can reach me at the pinball network at gmail.com. And a little announcement here. I have a little change in scheduling a hair. I personally am taking a podcast break. Good timing after this episode. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I'm going into hiding. Yeah, now, no, we've, we've discussed it. Yeah, there's been some, uh, some things that are coming up in March that make my schedule super hectic. At Texas Pinball Festival, I got, uh, we're headlining a, uh, the show at Louisville, Louisville Arcade Expo, which is March 11th through 13th. We're going to bring like 20 to 30 different machines. And we've got spring break with my kids. I just, I'm like, you know what? I've got to catch up on work. I got to take a break. So alerted Dennis about that. And um, yeah, I'm taking a, a, at least a month, but we'll see. Yeah. And my, my current intention is I'm going to, I'm planning to try and I don't know if I'll have probably not every week filled, but the weeks I would, I would do, yeah, I may bring on a couple of guests. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, do not write in. I pick my own guests. That's right. So I'm just saying, I'm just, I mean, that's not well, being honest. Yeah. If anybody asks, then you don't want to. That's how I mean. Like, no, I already have names in mind. I don't need people oh, volunteering. Shit. Well, that's so, awesome. That so, would be really cool. So that's cool. my, that's my current thing. And I, and I do the editing and stuff, Zach. So I might ask you just for the intro and, and some stuff so I can throw yeah. it together quasi like it won't be as good as what you do, but if people want to listen, then they, they might at least have a couple of things. So that's the plan. That's That'd the plan. be really cool. Yeah. I just, I know that I need to take a break. I just know what happens usually by week two of any breaks that I take. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm ready to get back in. I'm ready. But we'll, we'll see. I don't, I don't know, but I don't intend on it. I need I definitely need a break. I'm getting a little, getting a little, well, I'm not burnt, 
Oh, you're so burned. I'm I'm past burnt. I'm just like crispy, but I'm at the point where like some people like their their bacon crispy. Yes, I bacon. don't. I bacon. like it chewy. Some people like it crispy, but I'm past the point of even the crispy lovers. <laughs> They're like, I it's, don't even think it's, it's beef bacon. jerky now. Yeah, bacon it's jerky, not bacon anymore. So, but everything is fine. I want listeners to know that everything is all good. No, this is it's one just, of the warning signs, listeners. Be aware. Just, the I show could collapse to. at any moment. You know what? After after this last week, I was ready to burn it all down, <laughs> to be honest. You know what? I kind of thought, yeah, yeah, why not? Maybe we could light a match and just throw it and watch it all burn. Podcasts don't make us money, except oh. maybe the shirt sales. You know what does make me money? Flipping out pinball. What's in the product showcase, Zach? I'm going to tell you right now. The product showcase this week is the Stranger Things topper. You guys thought they were gone forever, but I I've did. still got some. There's still people on Pinside trying to sell them for more than MSRP, Zach. I saw that. I'm like, what is this all about? No. Nope. MSRP here. Stranger Things Topper. You can email me to get that, or you can just uh, order off our website, I believe. We have some Insider Connected kits. A couple of the pro kits left. We're already getting down low on that, waiting for more. We still have more orders, so no freaking out there. We have the GNR LEs available. That's like one of the most impactful games probably ever made visually speaking and audit audio speed i mean that is a dynamic game uh and they're in stock we can't say that mm. about a lot of titles out there right now but jjp seems to be the one that's actually producing lately ken rudberg said they're they're finishing up the entire run of gnrs that's so, right he did say that yeah, so that's cool mm. uh ken, alien ken might be correspondent of the episode i'm gonna give him a gold star <sighs> hear that craig bobby <laughs> yeah craig why don't you go back to the forest Craig's like, I sit here and create gold week after nah, week. I always just imagine him out in the forest picking mushrooms. I sadly think of him painstakingly recording and spending like five hours just on that little segment. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he quit doing the podcast he had. I know. Well, it was too much. We broke him. Oh, Sorry, Craig. Now, the Alien by Pinball Brother, the Alien <laughs> games are rolling out. We did get the rest of our initial order of SVs. And the LVs, they are slated, or Pinball Brothers, slated at the end of the month to start rolling out. So that's mm, exciting. It uh, is. Star Wars, the Pin Comic Edition, new in box, as well as pre-orders for Cactus Canyon SE and SE Pluses. I suppose that when we did initial orders as dealers, they that was kind of what dealers were going to get, I guess. So I'm hearing a lot of dealers no longer having open spots, but... I overordered in anticipation for you all loving this game. So we still actually have SE and SE Plus spots available. Remember that SE Plus comes with that beautiful interactive topper. Elvira 40th anniversary. Don't you make any jokes, Dennis Greasel. Uh, it is available. It's my greatest creation. Uh, Elvira 40. She's got even wetter decals than the regular version. <laughs> Why haven't you bought? Why haven't you bought? Why do you hate her? You've never seen a Don't purple hate cheetah. <laughs> oh, man. Elvira 40th anniversary is the Blackwater 100 of Elvira Games. Ew. Star Wars Premium Comic pre-owned is available, as well as the limited edition topper pre-owned. Why is Luke so mean to Baby Yoda? Uh, exactly. It's a great point. Godzilla pre-orders and accessories. Uh, let's uh -huh. get that. Yeah, I'm supposed to get uh, shooter rods. Shooter rods, yeah. they told me were on the boat yesterday, on the, on the truck uh, last week, but... I didn't get any, so they should be rolling in hopefully this week for Godzilla what about, Shooter Runs. What about your Rush accessories? Rush accessories, you can get on the list right now for those. We know the Shooter Rod, the armor, the top, all of it's going to be announced very, very soon. So we're taking, and the expression like it. Ooh, must have, must have. Elite Pinball Indiana Jones topper. For some reason, I don't know why those have been trending, but 
We sold like four or five of them this last week. So we got a couple of those left still. Banners. Baby's hey, got you some gave banners. away three banners oh, recently. Oh, I saw it. I was going to bring that up on last week, but yeah, you you were so kind. You like the all star cast over at Joel's recent stream of Rush. It was Dennis Creasel, Jeff Teolis, the number one pinball player in the world, Raymond Davidson. You all were there commentating. It was like a podcast, but with somebody game playing. It was so cool. And yeah, we gave away not one, not two, but three Rush banners. Uh, but Joel had to. Joel had to complete a certain task. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he failed the miserably many times. <laughs> he messaged me afterwards. <laughs> uh, and he, he just goes, you know, he's like, a, you know, thanks for, for stopping. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's fine. And then he, and then he goes, I'm just, I'm so jacked up right now. And I was like, go to sleep. It's like 1230, yeah. almost 1 a.m. his time. I'm like, go to bed, Joel. And he's like, I can't. I'm too excited. He thought he was going to fail the people. But he but didn't, so he should game. be happy and he should pass out from exhaustion. Yeah, so listener, if you want free stuff like that, like banners that cost more than a flipper upgrade system, all you've got to do is follow, like, and subscribe to Flipping Out Streaming Channel and all of that. And while you're at it, remember to follow, like, and subscribe to the Pinball Network, TPN. Go to the YouTube, baby. We've been throwing some of the podcasts on YouTube to see what happens because some people were requesting it. We'll see. Last I looked, they weren't doing that great. Yeah, they're, you know, it is what it is. We're a grower, not a shower. <laughs> or, or was, YouTube has been pretty cold lately. So. Yes. <laughs> and remember, go to the Louisville show. Come hang out with me March 11th, 13th. And if you want to help, you can help as well. Show specials coming soon this week. You're going to hear from show specials this week. So get in on that. TPN last week, Dennis. Final round, episode 51, Dumb and Dumber. That was a good episode. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thanks for the kind words over there, Martin and Jeff as well as the Bob Baffy interview on the Pinball Show interviews. We had some great streams this last week. Next week, we're going to have a daily cornucopia of, of streams and exclusives probably, so follow us there, as well as uh, we might get a free play. Maybe we get a free play. I know we'll get a triple dream. So, as always, I won't, I won't see you guys in a month, or you might see me at the Louisville Show or the Texas Show. For Dennis Creasel, for now I'm Zach Minnie. And I'll just say that thanks to the kindness that Zach has shown for no pinball market trends, I won't upstage him with an outro. <gasps> and always practice safe pinball. And Weird Al who, bro? <laughs> I'd rather have an affliction pin. Up. So long, dudes. Like a surgeon. Have you been watching the Book of Boba Fett? I did, but... Uh, did you watch the, all of it so far? Or? Yes, yes, yeah. I initially was about the pick this lightsaber. Yeah, or what fuck a fucking off and asshole. Take chainmail. Like this poor kid. He's like, well, okay. you could fuck up the rest of your life if you want to. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've been, I was more hung up with the uh, fucking Vespa gang. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the, the 180 or I didn't want to agree that dude. Mando saved that that whole uh, season, but he so did. He did. He did. Unfortunately, <laughs> he did. I mean, I'm glad he did, but it's like, oh, Boba Fett was so cool, and now he's just like <laughs> Secretary yeah, General of the UN. <laughs> that was my issue. Like Luke Skywalker coming in, just being like a jealous, insecure stepdad. Like, look, yeah. just give him the just give him the give shirt. Him. Like, damn. <laughs> I saw someone post a meme, and it was like uh, showing Baby Yoda choice of take the lightsaber, take the chainmail, yeah. or, or force, ch- force choke Luke and take the lightsaber yes. and chainmail for him fucking with you. Yes. Like, don't put that on me. Poor like, little baby Yoda. Uh, but just know, if you don't choose this lightsaber, you are dead to me and you'll never yeah, be a no, Jedi so ever again. I just so mean about it. I just so mean about it. I don't get it. 
I don't know. It just made me mad. I'm like, your rendering was so much better than it was on the Mandalorian series of Luke Skywalker. It was beautiful. But then you're going to make Luke Skywalker, since he's so pretty and natural looking, a dick? No. (laughs) It's wrong. Uh, I'm Dennis, and I just want to say... No, 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 I mean it as a metaphor. Zach, it's a metaphor. I don't know that metaphor, man. (laughs) Zach, it's a metaphor. I must have my metaphors. You want me to go with that? (laughs) Well, I thought you could just beep it, but maybe that's still too blatant. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work. Man, you made me blush. I'm like... What you're... What you're... I'm talking about... I think it's a lot tamer than saying... I've never second-guessed anything you've said on here. But that one... I'm... Yeah. I'm very worried about not having a closer for you. Um, Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like sweating now. Oh. Uh.